Magic.me is the world's greatest school for magic, meditation, and mysticism. You can learn everything there from chaos magic to hermeticism to meditation to how to supercharge your finances and take absolute control of your destiny. In short, you get all of the tools you need to turn chaos into beautiful, scintillating order and master your life. It's incredible. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show quite a lot, but check it out. It's growing fast. And I just want to say, if you're confused about where to start, because I have so many courses there, the Adept Initiative is the place to go. The Adept Initiative is the flagship course on magic.me, and it contains everything you need to know to master the most profound ancient techniques of changing your consciousness and the most modern and cutting edge tools and systems for absolutely turning your life into a masterpiece. You are really going to dig it. Go check it out, and I will see you in class. It's magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. Yes, hello. Welcome back to the Ultra Culture Podcast. My guest today is Kali Fisher, one of my oldest friends from... Way back, I've had her on the podcast before, but it's been way too long. Uh, we knew each other through magic forums in the early 2000s and, and also the Temple of Psychic Youth and, and Genesis. And um, yeah, uh, so we have a lot to talk about. She's definitely one of my favorite people ever. We covered a huge amount of ground in this, in this podcast, and I'll just... I'll let you have it. We went all over the place. This is a, a truly psychedelic conversation that you are really, really going to love. And your D book, I got to say, it's just like, for me, it's just that it all falls in place. You saw, I, I, you're in the acknowledgments for that, right? Oh, yeah, I probably knew at the time. Yeah, you're, you're in the you're in the book. I'm glad you liked it, though. But See, I, I am now up in the domain of John D. Okay. Not the domain of uh, Queen Elizabeth anymore. Because because she's dead? The new no, one. but if you recall in the book, when they're talking to John D. about the dividing up of this land that they're preparing to invade and establish the new Jerusalem, blah, 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 this kind of stuff, when they're pitching this to him... I remember there's this talk where they say, it's like, oh, yeah, well, this part is for the queen, and this is where we're going to make New Jerusalem. But that up and north, that part up there, will leave, that can be for you. That's what we're going to give you as your. Oh, 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 I see. You mean Canada. Yeah. Right, 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 yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the yeah. I'm up in Canada now. <laughs> so I'm in the, like, the realm of John D. And it's like, you would not believe. It's just like, it's been so weird being up here. Like it's such a culture change, way more than how, I how expected. So. I never, ever. I mean, I do think about my personal safety, and then I check myself because I realize what am I doing? <laughs> Why? Why am I bothering? It's really so unnecessary. It's really so unnecessary. Yeah. Like, what are the chances? Better chances that a truck is going to come flying out of the air and land on me. <laughs> like, well, especially trucks practical. in Canada. There's a lot of truck truck action going on up there. Yeah, there's yeah. A lot so. of trucks. You know, there's truck accidents. 
Um, no, but seriously, it's weird. It's like, and there's other things too. And like, I do outdoor education, right? Like that's what I've been doing since I went to California. And that's what I'm doing again here in Toronto. Shout out to Pine Project. And um, so up here, it's like the whole part of like, we get in this circle and there's like acknowledgements and there's a really concerted effort. I know this like, we can never make up for damages done by my ancestors or if not my ancestors personally by the culture that came here, you know, like I'm, you know, like I'm not going to get all like, well, my grandmother didn't do anything to the natives. It's like, fuck that. Like accept some, like, you know, accept some heritage. You want the upside? Take the downside. <laughs> That's a good point. actually. You know, it is. And uh, so they're here and like, seriously, we're sitting around in a circle. It's like, let's learn the name of the river, not our name, the name, you know, like from, I get all broken up. It's like, it just is so beautiful to see people like caring to know these things and like say, it's like sumac, it's like, yeah, that's vitamin C and someday we'll go back to like using it. Sorry, I'm crazy and breaking up. But it means so much to me. You know, that's why it's like, to me, it's like the earth is everything, mm -hmm. you know, like that's it. There's nothing else. Yeah, a little, little different attitude in the States at the moment. Well, I mean, everybody's in trauma mode yeah. perennially. You know, it's like, this is the whole thing. And this is why, like, you know, like David Icke strikes that he probably has like much, many more followers in the States than in other parts of the world. I would I, Really? I, I like met like a lot of people into David Icke when I was in Canada. I feel like well, this is Vancouver, really? you know, but. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, like as a science fiction author. David Icke. Yeah, yeah. he's great. And, and and I love some of the parallels with a very unpopular science fiction author, John Norman. I don't know who that is. Because no, you don't, and nobody should, because he's he's like so canceled. Because okay. <laughs> yeah, he is like basically soft core porn science fiction, a planet where men are in charge. It's like so like rabidly like everything. Was this like the, the gore books? But, do you remember those? G-O-R? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, he wrote the oh, gore Oh, books. this is the gore guy. He yeah, no, I do, I do know who that is. Yeah, because I remember like exactly. growing up, becoming aware of subcultures because I grew up in San Diego and I always went to the Comic-Con. It was like all the, all the bright and shiny subcultures and then there's the part where it started to get a little questionable where it's like Elf Quest and then it's like furries and then it's like gore. And you're like, where the hell am I? Like at, at the age of 11, it's very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not, that's not, those aren't subcultures for 11 year olds. No, but there's are are subcultures for yeah. adults, you know? And, uh, yeah, but, but in the gore, but in there's some stuff in the gore books where there's like the whole thing is run by these giant beetles. <laughs> And I just thought that was cool. I like some of this like imagery. Like so that. you were saying like David Icke is kind of on that trajectory. 
Well, like this with these reptilians and all this, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I have my own alien theories and actually I don't want to mention who I think is the predominant local who alien you, who species. Who do you think is the predominant local alien species? I don't really want to say because I really think that the U.S. will harass them if they don't already know where they're coming from, that they'll harass them if if they know. Though, I mean, I think it's like the aliens are so far advanced. Let's face it. It's like, okay, first, it's like anybody that doesn't think there's some kind of weird entities that once in a while somehow interact with us, they have no idea what's going on. Have you followed all the, the UFO I, stuff? I've seen UFOs personally okay. twice. What's, what happened? Okay. And neither time was it close. Once was a group sighting. It was like five of us. And we all look up in the sky and we're like, what the heck's that? And we just stood there looking at this thing going, what the heck is that? And then we're all like supposing things. And like, to me, it looked more like a dozen silver balloons with like five red balloons or something mixed in. And just sort of sitting there in the sky, floating in the sky, but perfectly still. And we watched it for a long time. For like 20 minutes and it didn't move which was weird because we're like well if it's balloons wouldn't it be drifting with the wind or something like we're all like sitting there trying to figure out what it was but then we had to get back to business and then actually later either that night or the next day we were at a friend's house in the same neighborhood and we looked in the sky and there it was again or still and it was like still just sitting there and it's like how could anything not tethered like if it was tethered i don't know you'd figure you'd see the sort of this angle of the trajectory of how it's being pulled by the wind or something in it whereas this really just seemed like it was just like just sitting there spinning like a bunch of silver balls with the red balls so it's like mostly silver but once in a while you so get a flash of red when and was that this was it. this was like you know recently this is toronto in 19 19- 95 probably i have never seen a ufo but it's probably because i barely see anything because i only look at a computer and never leave the house so it's not for lack of not for not lack of trying i'm outside (laughs) right i'm outside all the time all the time it's probably a good way to see a ufo like actually being in a position where you could technically see one right and then i saw one in uh, well actually three ish in california in Oakland. <laughs> of course. I was sunbathing. <laughs> of course, Oakland. Yeah. Yeah, I know. In California, of course. But I was sunbathing and I looked up in the sky. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And it was like three ish objects. One was a little sphere that looked like it was like half melted aluminum, like that weird sort of like metallic y but liquidy kind of weird texture. I don't know if you've played with yeah. metals much, like molten yeah, yeah. metals have a certain thing, you know? And then there was another one that looked like uh, like a, a hot dog bun, about the same size. What? What? Just Both the bun, not a hot like, dog. Like specifically the bun. Yeah, like the two, or I mean, a hamburger bun, like two halves of a hamburger bun sitting on top, like just the bunny part. Wait, wait, wait. Two. And then the, wait, wait, two halves of a hamburger bun. Yeah, like just like sitting, like two sections, but almost nothing like between an electric, them? Uh, like an electron field thing, where it's like. I can't remember which one. It's like two like oblong, two flattened things. So in total, it's a sphere, but it's like divided in the middle. That's sort of you know squished in the middle, like it's wearing a belt. That's in such the that that's so that's such a tease. You know, it's like you're, they're not going to provide the hamburger. 
it's just the bun. It's like the reverse of like the of like the carb carb friendly hamburger. You just get the bun, <laughs> which will probably be the next diet trend. You know, like carbs only. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then there was the third, like the mothership, was like this larger oblate thing, sort of like a mushroomy head, and then coming out of the middle of it, it looked like, like dripping metal that somehow became vapor a, a mushroom head that was dripping liquid yeah like like it was a big mushroom head and then from the middle of it it would like exuding tendrils of like weird stuff that would like evaporate into the air below it that, that's that's very like inappropriate. it was raining metal out of itself or something i don't know it was totally weird and i looked at it and i ran in to try and get some footage but I just had a PCS like camera on my phone, oh, no. so the footage is terrible. I uploaded it from my YouTube. But wait, I like think I saw that at some point. When did you upload that? Yeah, a I think I saw that when you uploaded ago. it. Yeah, mostly it's my lately. It's all my annoying physics stuff. So. Yeah, what is? I've I've tried to follow your your rabbit hole that you've gone into, but I don't know. Like I got a D in, I got like a D in physics in, in school. So wait, no, that's not true. I got an A in physics. I got a D in chemistry um, because I was more interested in like, no, I have nine the inch nails. simplest, simplest cosmology in the world. And it all seals up. It's called neutron decay cosmology. I'll tell it to you in like okay. two minutes. Easy, easy. There's hydrogen, right? So let's just imagine the universe is full of hydrogen. This is even what the Big Bang kind of says, even though I don't believe in that model. Okay? The universe is filled with hydrogen. Slowly, this hydrogen coalesces because of gravity and this and that, binding forces because it moves, and then there's electric forces, whatever. Boo, 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 boo. Gets heavier and heavier and heavier. Becomes uh, singularity, right? It's, kind of about to, it's a neutron star, right? This is what happens. Things get heavier and heavier. You become neutronium which is like neutrons and nothing else. There's barely, there's not even electron shells anymore because all the electrons got shoved back inside the protons and now they're neutrons, right? So it's all this ball of neutronium. Then in, our, in the present model, this falls into a black hole, disappears, and it's kind of just, we can't see it anymore. It's hidden down there. My model is very simple. Those neutrons fall through space and time because at the event horizon, all time and space is now compressed because you're moving so fast because your acceleration is the speed of light. You become the vacuum energy for a split second as a neutron. And then they all emerge in whatever point of space has the lowest energy and is therefore the most permeable to this tension because we just eliminated a bunch of energy and information from the universe. Huh. Let's put it back. If you throw neutrons in space, after 10-ish ten minute, minutes, they decay. That means they're turning from a point particle into one cubic meter of gas. That's an expansion factor of 10 to the 45, more or less. That is dark energy. I mean... Imagine you just added, because when that neutron was in the neutronium in the star, it was tiny. Now it appears in space and expands to one cubic meter. It's huge. 
That's dark energy, just the repulsive force of all these neutrons oozing out from the dark voids where we can't see because when it initially decays, a neutron is a proton, an electron, and a neutrino. Well, at a proton, an electron is hydrogen. So why don't they call it hydrogen? Let's call it amorphous atomic hydrogen. That gives it an excuse to not have a stable electrical uh, electron orbital, which means it can't emit or absorb photons because it doesn't have a resonant chamber yet of the electrical shell. It's just this weird, goopy, quark, electron, proton mess. And then it starts to coalesce. And as it coalesces, then it becomes stable atoms that can scintillate and fall back into the clouds that become the tendrils, that become the galaxies, that become the stars, that become black holes. And the whole thing is just steady state. And people will say, oh, CMB. What is CMB? And I say, yeah, well, a universe has a glow, you know, because there's lights everywhere. What, what is CMB? The cosmic microwave oh, background. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be called a complete idiot that I can't know, obviously, that the CMB indicates a big bang must have happened. And I say, no, just the universe glows. There's so much shit going on everywhere. It's that's the background. Like that's the, that's the temperature of the universe is that that's just the background glow and all these globs in it. There's all the stuff in the way and not in the way or contributing and not contributing. You know, it's kind of lopsided and messy. That's the way it goes. <laughs> so, so wait, so if I'm okay, so it always confused me. Wait, so in, I guess like in your, your model, everything's accounted for though, right? Because things are not getting destroyed at any point. Nothing's ever getting destroyed. A neutron falls through and it reemerges. It's one for one. It's constant. This means that critical density, which is this issue about why, how does the universe not collapse in on itself? It's already stable. It is what it is. It's going to go on forever. It's a perfectly oiled machine. It stabilized itself. It's in orbit around itself, and therefore it's in a perfectly stable orbit. That, that both makes more, uh, simultaneously makes more uh, uh, satisfactory logical sense and is also much more calming and relaxing way to look at things. Then there's just a Big yes. Bang and then things get destroyed. And the Big Bang has always been very no. bizarre to me. Not for any theological reason, okay. but it's just like there was a Big Bang at some point and every, it's just like, it's like, what? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I know. Just like pull that out of the. It just it just happened. We don't know why. It, what we don't we don't know when this happened, but to one point it just happened. No, I think the universe is eternal. It's infinite and eternal. Yet at the same time, it likes to obey the rule of conservation, right? Because that way, it takes no energy. Because actually, in my model, if we're on one side of the temporal manifold right now. On the other side is the antimatter universe. That means all charges, all motion, everything is constantly in that's balance. The that's the We're universe where I have a goatee. Just grow one. <laughs> I did briefly, and then I shaved it immediately. It was too disturbing. Too no, you remember, you remember Spock when he gets the, the goatee in the antimatter universe in, in original Star Trek? Yeah, everyone like, okay. 
let's face it, you know, the evil ones are always hotter. Yeah, goateed Spock. There you go. That could be me. I'm not I'm not yes. ready. I'm not ready to become that. Yeah. I did grow okay. a beard. It was actually on okay. YouTube. I grew a full beard. That was kind of cool. But then then people started calling me a net beard neck beard online. And I'm more Oh no, I missed I, it yeah. all. I gotta say, I'm the terriblest friend in terms of like other people's creative well, shit. I mean, you were saying like like I it's good to talk to you. I haven't talked to you in, in too long. Everyone's been in trauma mode. I missed Jen's funeral because COVID was happening. It's like, it's been know, three years. And everybody missed you so much. And, but I mean, I know, and I know there was like, sort of like, how is Jason not here? But at the same time, it's like, look at Jason would be here if Jason didn't feel like if Jason felt in any way that he could do this right. I mean, in in himself, my, people were getting stuck in people, what the fuck? Like, what people, people were get? getting stuck in airports with COVID. No, it's I know. Like, it's, you know, so. No, no, I totally understood. I mean, it was, it was sad to miss you and everybody it was, was, you know, it's like, it's, it's the family, you know, it's our community and you know what it's like. Like it's a bunch of really tight yeah. people. Yeah. But uh it's been three years though. Yeah, you were missing well I'm glad. I, I made it down there at least, but I might have gotten COVID while I was there. Well, it's there you go. I mean Eddie Ed uh Edley got COVID, I think, right? He had COVID there. Well that's the thing. Edley had COVID and nobody knew oh, I came home yeah. actually and I was like, Oh so, a bit of a sore throat, but nah, just, can't do that. Yeah, I mean like it wasn't bad. I'd never had like a lung thing. I was a very if I got it, knock wood. Uh, it was very yeah. mild. I never got COVID, knock on wood, ever. So, um, but that's because I'm well adapted to never leaving the house. But you know, um, I'm I'm I've, I'm happy with that. I don't know if uh, I've I've interacted with some people who have long COVID. It's it's scary. The, you know the oh, cognitive yeah. effects, things like that. It's just. You know, I, 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 it was heartbreaking not to be there, but at the same time, it's like, well, funerals are for the living, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I would like to stay alive also. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we want you yes. alive. So it was a yeah. good decision. But, uh, but, but I, yeah, I, I only bring it up because it's, it's been three years and it's just gone by and it's blur of fuckery. You know, like I, I, I can, I can barely remember anything that happened, and uh, other than the the peak moments of of psychic pain, uh, I can, I can't remember a whole lot of what happened in twenty twenty and early twenty. You know, out actually throughout twenty twenty one. You know, it's a blur for me. Yeah, it was funny. I was, I was only off work a month, maybe, and then I was back. With wow. kids in the forest. Oh, you got to work outside though. We, That's good. Yeah, and we were even wearing masks outside for a time period. Even though personally I think that's a bit of overkill, or at least if the sun is shining from everything I've read, if the sun is shining, you practically don't yeah. have to worry because like it UV is a very intense antiseptic. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. But other times and when you're in proximity and we had to do stuff like, you know, when we're doing carving with the kids would disinfect the knives between uses, stuff like that. Like we tried to put in protocols that were sensible and yet not onerous. And that all, you know? that all worked out. 
Yeah, I think for the most part it did. It was cool. I mean, I'm just sitting there with kids. It's like it's in the forest. All this craziness is going on. It's like, kids, don't worry. It's not the apocalypse. <laughs> that's, that's good. And try and chill because it was hard because there's all – it was really hard with the kids because, you know, parents can't help but unload their psychological baggage onto their kids. Yeah. You know, and I think, honestly, not, no diss on parents, but it's like – it's something that we need to teach it's really important for parents to be able to do that. I think it's good for the kids, especially in these closed family situations where there's not a village to wander around and get different perspectives. You're very much closed in with your family. So if your parents are hyper paranoid about the germs, you're going to be hyper paranoid about yeah. the germs. If you come from a, like I notice on, but like, you know, you come from a anti-vaxxer, like just don't care. I believe in natural immunity family which has its place you know like hey evolution will work it all out it might work uh, it out pretty roughly <laughs> hey it's, it's yeah you know it's a, evolution and nature don't yeah. play around no it's they, like, they all work out they just they're just solving like, oh, they're solving yeah. for their own equation not any individuals yeah yeah we're small cogs yeah. in a huge machine but uh but you know so it's like so now you have two kids one kid's walking around no mask as soon as they're allowed. And the other kid is deathly afraid. And literally we would have kids like breaking down. It's like, he's coming near me. He's trying to kill me. Yeah. You know, like, well, I, and it was horrible. It's like, I understand that the parents worry about their children's health. Like that's an important, good thing. It's just the level of, again, it's just like with all these things, it's like, the level of extremity to right. everything. Yeah, I mean, that makes me think of a couple things. One is that, you know, you're talking about this, and of course, adults are just big children. So, you know, like all adults are, you know, adults are all the same, you know, either like, you know, ultra paranoid or just too cavalier. And I think, um, but the other thing is, I mean, I just, one of the things I thought about so much during, you know, throughout this whole period is just like, what, you know, what the hell is going to be the effect on kids who grew up in this. I mean, like, I'm sure you saw pictures of like kids on a playground with like chalk circles around them, like magic circles. They can't leave, can't interact with other people. I'm, and for me, just like looking at, I was there. Okay. I was making them draw. Oh Jesus. <laughs> well, at least it was you, you know I mean? And <laughs> telling them how to draw a magic circle. That's good then. You know, I mean, that's a totally different situation. <laughs> well, that's a whole other thing. That's pretty funny. That's good though. It's a good recontextualization. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just, you know, why, I mean, kids are already like, you know, head down into their phone all day long as it was. But now it's like, I think I saw, I don't, I'm not up on it, but I remember seeing at one point, well, you know, there were serious consequences. Like people like kids are losing a year of schooling. Their, their, their IQ is dropping, like all kinds of, you know, God knows what the trauma or their social interaction skills are going to be like. Yeah. I mean, I think we're in such a self-reflexive time, though. It's like in the past, it's just like, I mean, you know, it's like you have a world war and it's like, yeah, people are coming home and we're going to make a good point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, although to be fair, of, those people yeah. became lifelong alcoholics that never processed their trauma. So, you know, like, <laughs> there's no, that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying we shouldn't address the trauma. I'm just saying that we should try and keep a perspective a realistic perspective on it 
And then just like mitigated as much as I could. And so, as I said, it's like my job, I felt like as much as anything was just reassuring kids. It's like, listen, it'll be fine. We're going to take, we're going to do what we can. We're not going to let this take over our lives. You just like, you know, it's like you're going out in the cold, dress appropriately. Yeah. It's just like, now let's go play in the snow. That's what That's I did great. the other day. It's like, I have good boots on and stuff. It's, you know, it doesn't have to get us all worked up emotionally that we now have to change some aspect of our like that's a thing it's like whether whether even if masks did nothing you know you know where or like almost nothing one percent let's say just like they mitigate one percent what the hell it's like i'm obliged to freaking wear clothes all the time when <laughs> right, i go right out. right right no but seriously it's like in what like the level of social it's like you know, it's like if I was walking around with a turban or something and it's like, I'm going to get beaten up because I have an extra piece of cloth on. It's like, what? It's like what's on, what's off. It's like, this is just all such ridiculous, like social constrainty crap. Right. Well, I think that people, I, people I, saw these things as symbols of symbols of control, you know, that's what I mean. But they read so much into them. It's like, at least, you know, back in the day, those gay, that thing in the gay subculture of like time yeah, yeah. Handkerchiefs yeah the handkerchief, handkerchief code yeah exactly at least that has purpose <laughs> you know that is, and it's like it's really direct communication of a true thing but the a number of assumptions that people make it's like because this one thing you assume right. all these other things it's like because i'm a freakish trans person or whatever they make all these assumptions about me it's like you don't know. right it's like somebody it's, it's like the whole like anti-masker thing it's just like i remember I try not to like whatever. If you're willing to take your chances, good for you. Well, and you know. if you want to wear a mask, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty libertarian. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, like, that's well, listen. that's the thing, right? I mean, like, there's so many. Like, this was such an epic clusterfuck of of, of issues it's like, here. It's just your you know, there's like the mask, there's the vaccine, just, there's the virus, there's the social control, there's the social programming, there's things changing all the time. There's the culture war, there's the anger, there's the so many people, including me, like had just their relationships failed, you know, people getting divorced, you know, like the stress of being inside alcohol, domestic abuse. It's just like, just a, like a, a, you know it's just a storm of fuckery right it's like i don't know what to say about it it's like and i i don't know no, how anybody could have navigated that without being confused as hell on every level just hug each other a lot but you can't but okay. you're not supposed to so you can't do that <laughs> then hug, hug yourself like be nice it's just like sit calm it's like uh like yeah Everybody should be learning transcendental meditation, but not you don't have to necessarily learn it from transcendental meditation. I'm just saying. But. Well, for me, it's like <laughs> for me in in a, in a way, there was a certain like liberating aspect of COVID where it's like, because I've have always been a hermetic shut in, and it's like ah, uh, on a certain level, it's like ah, uh, at last, no, no, there is no longer a social social expectation that I not yeah. be like this. But no, I mean, it's like I don't need an excuse. <laughs> right, right, right. Anymore. Um, I don't have to constantly fend off like invitations to go out or whatever, but it's like to, to do my work, but, uh, uh, it's like, but, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm amazed that people, I honestly, I'm amazed that people have stayed as sane as they have all considered just because people process, particularly extroverted people, which I'm not, but there's lots of them in the world processed by talking and being around each other and talking through their emotions in groups of people. 
you know, and dressing up and going out and having spectacles and that all makes my skin crawl personally, but I'm not like most people. Most people need that, you know, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't imagine. Well, that's what I mean. I guess that's what these, you know, that's what TikTok-y stuff like that yeah. is sort of assuaging or something like that. Cause I, I mean, I sort of don't understand it too. I'm, I mean, I'm a very weird mixed person. Cause you know that I can be very, very, uh, I'm good socially. You know, it's like I ran a restaurant. It's like I made a community at a restaurant. Yeah. Shout out to Steinhoff. Um, and, or helped make a community. Thank you everybody too. But I mean, it's like, that's big to me. But at the same time, I sit around all day composing music and playing with my weird quirk modeling and stuff like that. Yeah. Too. So I have this weird, like, sort of schizophrenic. You, you mean just like a balanced existence? <laughs> <to both. laughs> yeah. I don't know. But, but I get a lot of my social from my work. Yeah. You know, I work with kids and, and the way I operate, it's like, no, it's like me and my pack. You know, it's like I'm not. Well, that that's always how I've been too. You know, as we were discussing, now I uh, my all my employees have mutinied against me. So here, here I am. (laughs) Yeah, but you'll get a new. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Also, they were employees. You know. Yeah. There's like this whole thing. I mean, I really do think to me the big lesson of COVID that every world leader and every country leader and every province leader and every state leader, and maybe even every like town and city leader to realize is be resilient locally, get your shit together. If you can't survive, like every Toronto should be somehow, I don't care how power independent. Right. Okay. We should be able to grow all the food that we need for Toronto. I don't care how we're going to do it within like 25 miles of Toronto. Well, the thing about definitely, I mean, the thing, the thing about locality, I mean, that was, that was such a traumatic issue for me as well during COVID where it was like, I had been in Los Angeles for 11 years and I grew up in Southern California and it was literally like moving into you know, 1984 Chinese state oppression overnight. And yet at the same time, there's like rioting and violence and it's just like terrifying all the time and just like massive social breakdown and heroin and, and infrastructural, I wouldn't say infrastructural collapse. Actually, it's just that people were forced to not use the infrastructure. Everyone was shut out of working. People could not go to work. People had to work illegally yet. It was, you know, basically legal to, you know, steal things and commit crimes. Um, so, uh, you know, it's like local infrastructure can be used against people as well. And, and like, I had to leave and had to, I chose to leave. I ended up moving to Texas and then the infrastructure collapsed here when, during the ice storm in 2000, the end, you know, early 2021, when I got here where that was national news, there was a big ice storm and the entire electrical grid failed. So there's that too. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, no, that yeah. was huge. And that was like. Yeah, it's like the whole electrical grid. Why? Because it's like you're broadcasting electricity too far. It's like we should be able to grow things close. We need to be able to mask. It's like how are we counting on one link that comes across the whole planet for our masks? Yeah, no, it's crazy. No, and that that point was driven home to me so hard where it's just like, you know, whatever you need, you better be able to rely – 
at least hopefully just on yourself, but at least on a small group of people, because you cannot count on this. It's not just that you can't count on the state to be there. It's that you can't count on the state not to actively malevolently fuck with you on levels that you did not even think were not only possible, but just like are not rational to fuck with people on. Like there's no logic behind it. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Everyone wants to. Everyone wants to get their own land and grow food. It's easier said than done. I'll get there. Right. You know, but, I know. But ultimately, no. But you don't have to. I I think there's a we can work out. We're gonna like. I, I really believe in this like in a weird solar punk future. And it's like everybody should have anybody in a city should be victory gardening yeah. up. The well, that's I yeah. Every single tree should be a hazelnut. Yeah. There's tree. a great book. What there's the a great book called. Um, the urban urban garden urban the urban gardener or something like that process jody willie put it out process media so i've been i started to work on a little bit but like i'm like i'm not a gardener or farmer you know so bit by bit though i mean it's hard not to think that society has set this up so that we don't have our essentials right on hand like why do i need to count on a chain of things for me to have dinner. Right, like a supply chain. Yeah, dinner yeah. Should yeah. be within a 15 minute walk of yeah. my house and I should be able to dig it out of someplace or it's a pile yeah. of stuff in my yeah. basement. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like hunting, fishing, growing crops. And uh, I got myself into a situation where I can do that and I will continue to work on it. Composting is a good way to start. Uh, composting is fascinating. That's something everyone can start with. That's about as advanced as I've been able to get, though. But, uh, no, but it slowly, just slowly evolve. If we can do it, it doesn't have to be this dramatic thing, but we just slowly evolve to having, it's like solar panels yeah. on every single house. Cause that way nobody cares if the grid goes down or not. The grid's handy. You know, it's nice and efficient and whatever it distributes the power, but we shouldn't be counting yeah. on it. Our water, we should be having giant ass cisterns so that we can save our water, even though it's illegal. <laughs> right, it is states. illegal. It's illegal in Canada to, to, excuse me, not Canada, California to harvest rainwater. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, because the person who owns the river nearby is promised a certain. It's illegal to catch the rain. I mean, like, think river. about that. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> How does that make sense? It's coming right? out of the sky, it's, whether you like it or not. Yeah, but it would have flowed down into that guy's yard and you're stopping it from getting Lord have mercy. The fact that people can know, even like crazy. think like this is uh, amazing to me, but yeah, no, I, 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 uh, a big, this has been a big lesson for me. It's like, and, and I continue to just bit by bit, try to disentangle myself from these systems. And I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't know. It's hard to not be conspiratorial having gone through this era Cause it's just like, you know, you cannot discount like just the level of raw force that was exercised on a global level overnight, you know, in a coordinated fashion. But at the oh, same yeah. time, it's like, no, it, it, it was, it was a test of the world, like uh controls. Yeah. It was a pretty successful one too. Very successful. And I'm here in Canada and I had to deal with the arrived Canada. Okay. It's like, I know about dealing with state apparatus. You, ha- you had it. You had I love deal Canada. With There's this arrived can. App. What is, what it's is like that? when I came. I oh, came, oh oh oh. Right after, right after Jen's funeral, I came back to Canada because a friend of mine had just had a child, and she was 
dealing with like being a single mom stuff. And it's like with a six month old and they're going through this really cranky stage around that time and stuff. So I came to Canada to help her through that. And I just lived with her for a month through this transition period till he was sleeping regular. And yeah, I did get this app beforehand and have your proof. And then you would arrive in Canada and they'd check your app and then they'd swab your nose and put you in a hotel for up to 11 days. And you had to pay for it or something like that until you got your results of your test. And then you are authorized and then you have to stay in this place and then you have to wait day 10 and then do your nose again in front of somebody on no, camera. No, it's, it's insane. I mean, this is, I mean, this is why I moved to Texas. I never would have imagined in my entire life that I would end up in Texas. But that was just like, fuck you. Like, no, I'm a responsible <laughs> person. I'm wearing a mask, everything. It's like, but fuck you. Leave me the fuck alone. You know, and, and uh, it was just so sinister on every level. I mean, like when I drove here, I was listening to the audio book of 1984. And like everything was real. <laughs> yeah. It was like everything was, it was like listening to the news. Like everything had happened in the last like six months. Um, okay. There's no boot in your face. There's like not? Are you mix. sure? No, I think it's this weird mix of 1984 and Brave New World. It's more 19. We, we've talked about this before, but it's more 1984 now. I think it's more like overt power now than it was. It's not, it's not controlled by distraction. At this point, it's, it's force, you know, instead of, instead of coercive power. No, when you, oh no, I don't even want to say that. (laughs) No, I don't want to, something. Anyways, but you know, like, I really think you haven't lived in a country where the cops are walking around with. Oh, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it can't get worse. It can get way worse. Okay. No, no, so no. That's, no, that's, that's so, not what so. I'm saying at all. Because look at. I mean, you look at how China. I mean, look at how Australia handled it. Look at how China handled it. There was a, a TikTok that I saw, um, maybe six. Welding people into their houses. Oh, I didn't catch that. They were welding people into their houses. That's fucked. Yeah, I saw one that was like, maybe you saw this. It was like somebody was taking a TikTok where it was like they were shining it out of like a council tower in somewhere in China. And there's like a, like a helicopter fly or a drone flying around with a spotlight shining it into people's houses. And they're broadcasting. Uh, they're, they're like yelling in a, you know, it's broadcasting this uh, whatever loudspeaker thing. And the translation is citizens stay in home, stay at home, dampen your soul's desire for freedom. <laughs> <laughs> this was real <laughs> it's like it's like it's like that's like inspirational words to every government i know it's, it's, you got to kind of hand it to them there's a certain you know poetry to it <laughs> ballsiness of just saying right. That, right yeah i don't think they care in china you know suck it up freedom yeah. everyone knows that freedom doesn't exist it's something or it's like it exists until somebody exerts the constraints on you. Right. Well, I've, I've been really into this um, historian, Timothy Snyder. I end up mentioning him on like every podcast uh, now. But uh, yeah, I watched it. Oh, yeah. Like he, he did this thing on um, on tyranny lessons uh, from history about about tyranny. And he said at one point, um, there's a couple things he said in that that really resonated with me. The first one, I think, is the most important, which is do not comply in advance. And that's something that I found myself looking back, I found myself doing in a few ways. And that's quite disturbing to me. And uh, it's like, basically, like, don't comply until they force you. Right? Don't like think ahead as to what, you know, the control system is going to want. 
and like comply with that in advance, uh, which people do when, when the, the heat is on. But the other thing was he was saying, you know, what if freedom is, you know, he, he said a lot of things about the idea of freedom. It's like one is like the idea that freedom, particularly for Americans, we take for granted the fact that like freedom is just something we have and that was given to us. And that is really um, un-American, he said. Right. It has to be rewon in, in every generation. But he also said, it's like, you know, what if freedom, I thought this was so, I thought this was so great. And it's also something that I think Jen really would have resonated with, which is like, at some point we always think about freedom being about the individual. It's like, well, what if freedom is not about the individual? It's not about like, you know, I'm not a number, I'm a free man, that type of thing. What if, what if freedom is a group project and like everybody has to fight for it together, you know, in the sense that like everyone has to be, um, put in their work so that everybody can be free in the way that they want to, which you, you know, you, you may never see or may not even understand, but it has to be a group project. I thought that was great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's like, I have to say, it's like any, person that considers themselves libertarian at all and has any issue with LGBTQ except for, and we can touch on this even though it's super touchy and I'm going to get in trouble for it, um, you know, like youth transition uh -huh. stuff. But in terms of for anybody 21 years old and older, if they are LGBTQ or anything, any libertarian should just yeah, shut yeah, yeah. No, the I agree with that completely. I, I, yeah, it's like don't tell me about your this or that. I don't care. This is exactly like Genesis was exactly. It's like it's like I don't. I if I want to work walk around in a fucking furry right. outfit, that's my prerogative, and you should cheer me on for well, right. But this is this is but this is what everyone's forgotten. This is how free. It's like this is how freedom and liberty work. It's like it's about you know, it's about everyone and it's about particularly the people that you disagree with the most, right? It's a group project. It's like, you know, and the, everyone has forgotten that. It's just like, they want to exercise power on the other group. And that that's, that's, that's one thing, thing that drives me absolutely fucking insane about America right now, because we have two political camps who are both trying to take our freedom away one way or the other. And it's like, like, I just have a very, at this point, I'm a very simple as an American person. It's like, you know, this is just America, but it's like, I, you know, and this podcast is, you know, you're not American and this doesn't have an only American audience. So I should not be like fixated on America, but my, my political view, that's, that's where, where I live. And it's like, my, my view is, you know, follow the manual. It's like the constitution's great. It's great. Follow the manual. Don't chop it up. Expand, you know, expand coverage to everyone. Like, yes, it was written by a small group of people, but that's no reason to throw it out. It's a reason to expand coverage of the policy to everyone. Um, and if we just followed, if followed rules as written, Masonic Enlightenment Hermetic Project country, it'll it'll go much better. <laughs> Don't spend all of your time time trying to each take away freedoms from the other group. That, that'll that'll go nowhere. Okay. You're, you're going to get in such trouble for this Hermetic blah 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 thing. The Masonic. I'm, thing, I'm a Freemason. You know? I don't care. You know, it's like I'm a Hermetic magician. You know who I am. <laughs> I know who you, I totally know who you are, dude. I'm just, I have like, a dog you know, in these, the fight. These fucking, these fucking Christians who are like, and the thing is like, I don't know, there's, 
there's weird shit going on because it's just like well, we're going know, into yeah tribulationist apocalyptic everything oh, yeah. it's just like really it's like i knew i you know i remember i'm old enough to remember when ronald reagan took power and we all all of us teenagers who were at the same age it's like it was around the same time that i can't remember you know like alan Moore yeah. really started to hit as a writer and all this stuff and you just look at it and you go yeah well like like those what? Like I said, I live in Texas now. It's pretty fucking real here. Like I remember, we used to talk about this all the time, and it's like, like, and I'm still thinking about those conversations we had about this stuff. And and you know, it was a big, obviously, like the John D. book that was a big part of what went into that. Um, just you know that you kind of set me down that talking to you in Genesis. I think around the same time set me down that path of thinking about Christian apocalypticism, and then I couldn't really. I just kept thinking about that. Um, as an explanation, explanatory factor for so much of the politics of, of the world. And I think it is. And, um, which set me down the path of thinking about other religions as explanatory factors for world politics, which for me is an obvious point for most people, not, um, just in the sense that like groups of people are liable to act out their beliefs, you know? And so it explains a lot of why the world is the way that it is, even if it doesn't make sense because people are enacting mythologies on a grand scale. But, you know, in Texas, it's like this stuff is pretty real. You know, it's it's no longer like something to talk about in New York as an intellectual abstraction. It's like it, it's pretty real here, you know. <laughs> so, no, I, I'm sure you could find communities and suburb, suburban enclaves not that far from you where that's very oh, much. Yeah the reality of everybody there and they have a school and that's where their kids go so that yeah. they, those kids can be taught proper values. A hundred percent. You know, like people in Canada have no idea, like until I lived in the States and my friend Johanna, who really like, she lived in Oakland. I worked with for her, but she was a smarty pants and she used to read all this stuff. And she really like, you know, just made me aware of just how pervasive and, you know, I'm going to come across as like anti-Christian, but fuck that, whatever. Um, They're anti You know, us. it's like, I'm not, <laughs> there's a heart of Jesus. Like, really, I just wish they could take the Bible, rip it, rip it in half, keep the front half, ditch that old one. It was a bunch of like nice, like stories of viciousness and evil. Right. The demi, the, 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 the adventures of the demiurge. Yeah, exactly. No. And I'd keep the Jesus part, even though it is basically was a manual designed to teach slaves how to be subservient and obedient. I don't care because the spirit of love and compassion that runs right. through that is more. Which important. oddly enough has been uh, uh, perpetually lost on people. I mean, like, even Jesus is like, look what, you know, it's like for me, like there's so many funny stories in that book. It's like the story of the good Samaritan. It's like, why the fuck are you rules lawyering about all this old bullshit? The point is to like care about people. Like, you know, that story or do you, I don't know. It's like, no, for me, this is like the, this is the funniest know. story in the Bible. It's like, basically it's like Sunday, it's the Sabbath. Everybody's going to, to temple and uh, no one can work on the Sabbath. And, um, and, and somebody like somebody crashes their cart, right? Like crashes their car on the side of the road and nobody stops to help because they can't work. It's the Sabbath. And for, and then like, except one Samaritan, you know, who's like from a different religion or something like that. And, and, and Jesus says, this is like, this, this is what you're like. It's like, what the hell? It's like the point of religion is not to follow all these rules. It's to care about your fellow person. You're this, how much more could you miss the point? You know? <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like, you know, like I was raised agnostic, borderline atheist. But it was just like the golden rule. You don't need anything right. else. Right. That's it. Just if you just really own it, you're good. You know, it's like, why would you do that? Do you want somebody to do that to you? That's right. all the question you ever have to ask. You know? Yeah. Like, appreciate the reflection. Like, if we're going to be staring at our reflections all the time, like I was noticing this, it's like, it's not even content. It's, there's different realms of the internet. It's like, there's this part where we're social interaction with an actual other person. There's me using tools on the internet and researching stuff and whatever information. And then there's this weird thing where it's like people make videos of themselves posing. It's a very TikToky in this generation. I don't understand TikTok at, at all. I'm not it. hating yeah. it at all. I don't. I don't hate on anything. Things are just what they are. They're evolutions, you know. But it's like all these people looking, and I'm wait. It's like you're watching a video of yourself from ten minutes ago, primping in front of the, the camera, and now you're like evaluating it. It's like, what was? Did I primp <laughs> enough? Did I blink? Was that like? No, I'm gonna re-edit that. Like it's just like wow. I don't know. I, I love just, playing this like, game with people where it's just like like tell me about can you tell me one social media post you saw last year? Like <laughs> can you one. remember one? No. The watch. It's like you probably spent like at least a few, like if you're like me, you probably spent at least a couple hours a day, if you're honest, like looking at this stuff. It's like just tell me tell me one thing you saw. <laughs> No, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to grab some water bowl and I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's just, you know, that's the thing. The overwhelming content, it gets so hard to be focused and just you have to really make an effort now. Whereas before, it was more like people were starving for things to do. So they had all these really beautiful, like social things. It's like playing games and telling stories and, you know, playing the piano for each other and all these kinds of interactive media making yet at the same time. I mean, people had to make their socks. We don't have to make our socks. Is it such a bad thing that we had to make our socks? I don't know. If we have to make our socks, then it like that use that's that's making socks amount of time that nobody had to pr provide Hold media on. for. I couldn't hear you without the headphones. This is my dog. Yeah, I was just sort of like ruminating about I don't know, just how distant we are and how annoying. I really think there's like this is part of a reset and we're going through this a, a great reset. You know. I don't know what this great reset. I mean, that part is going to suck. It's like, let's face it. It's like, I keep on thinking, no, people who are on the street that I see, like I make sure to have cash or try to, because everyone is like, someday they're just going to flick. Oh, they started. They're already working on it. I know. I know. Yeah. I heard about this. I heard about this. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. And it's like, it's not eliminating cash yet. And people up here in Canada really like their cash, it seems, actually, I've noticed. But um, but they could do that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, it's like you just excised like one, yeah. who knows what, well, let's say one-tenth of one percent of the population is now like, they are completely 
screwed. Yeah. I, do, does anyone have like? Did anyone scheme. think that part through? Like, are, are there con- contingency plans on that, or it's just like, oh well, you know, let them starve. It's like less, less for us to worry about. Uh, I mean, there were. Yeah. I, I remember no, I was. I was listening to some economic podcast several years ago where they were talking about doing this in India. I think this was like 2018 where like India is a, uh, a tip based society, right? Where it's like everything's boxish. You have to tip people ahead of time or they won't do stuff in cash. So like it's, it's like, it's basically like here, except they're a little bit poor pragmatic. <laughs> you got to do it up front, you know, <laughs> New York, New York is like that now. Well, you know, I mean, no, it used to be like that. It's like, you want a table? You give the guy a oh, yeah. table. You give the door. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it, and, but there it's like, it's if you want literally anything, you, you have to do that. And the government hates it because they can't tax that. So for them, it's a bribery-based society. That's how they see it, you know? So it's like, well, we're going to go to a digital phone app-based payment system. And so that we can get rid of the, you know, the, the, the graft in the, in the, system and recoup some of that economic surplus, you know, and it's just like, okay. The only reason governments need to exert this, like individual taxes, because the fucking corporations have not been paying. Well, their that, share. Yeah. I, I don't know how it works in India okay. politics, but I assume similarly. Any king or queen back in the day, and I wish they had never let this go, you know, like you let the corporations get to a certain size or the companies get to a certain size and then you declare jubilee yeah. and you say, oh, actually, all debts are off because I can't have anybody richer than I am and I'm the king. So therefore, I'm going to dissolve, make all you guys go bankrupt. Too bad. I'm the king. Yeah, I saw something you interesting know? online where I was reading. I forget where I was reading it, where it was talking about the Protestant Reformation. I was thinking about this recently, actually, where one of the like we think about the protestant reformation as sparking this age of enlightenment and science and freedom from catholic church and all of that but one the thing that it really did was get rid of the and the reason why it spread so fast and why henry the eighth took it on so fast was because um they got rid of the prohibitions against usury right and that's why capitalism could happen because no, the catholic church was no longer standing in the way of people loan sharking and that's what actually happened if you look at it objectively. And this was interesting. I mean, it was like, I was thinking about this in the context, context oddly of Elon Musk buying Twitter, where there's like a certain like resonance there where on, you know, there's the whole thing about indulgences. People didn't like the practice of selling indulgences. And there's a certain like, there's a certain resonance there with the idea of getting people getting blue check marks but you don't know what it's for it's unearned it's just this kind of like crony check mark it means they're in line with power and now elon is just like totally you know, breaking down this like catholic church like power of twitter but it's not necess- it's not for like you know any type of like intellectually noble reason no matter what he says it's like it, it's similar to this like you know you know it's being done for reasons of capital for what you know reasons we probably don't understand of like breaking down Probably the ability, probably, you know, breaking down the ability of um, more free of free press being able to get in the way of corporate power more or freedom of information, actually. So, yeah, let's let's, you know, I mean, Elon has his like legions of bots or not bots might as well be because their heads are programmed to just defend this. Right. Dude. 
endlessly about everything. Well, well, with Elon, yeah. And I don't hate the man. I don't know the guy. I'm just suspicious of anybody. Well, it's like it's like it's like Jeff Bezos buying, and doesn't. It's like Jeff Bezos buying the Washington Post. You know. Or, or people are yeah, like, like, or what? like corporate, you know, like business people buying local newspapers, you know, it's like, well, no, this is, this is, this is like Robert Barron times yeah. all again. It's like so many, there are so many parallels actually. And I guess it was like, when was that? Was that coming off of the Scarlet Fever thing? It was late 19th century, like railroad, Robert Barron's oil, Robert Barron's. And, or like during Hearst, yeah. Yeah, same yeah, thing yeah, there. Sure. It's like, you know buying up the newspapers because they owned a mode of transportation, which was railroads at the time, but now it's internet because it's still, you know, moving things and buy up all the means of control, all the newspapers, everything, all the politicians, you know, I mean, this is kind of the point I was making about the reformation where it's like, really, if you analyze that, it's like, it's not like getting rid of a negative power structure. It's like one power structure replacing another. And yeah, it's all about money, right? Yeah. So interesting to think about, particularly because I like to think about the, um, the the similarity of the Italian city-states with Silicon Valley, you know, like the birth then, the birth of capitalism, now the birth of like, hi, like hyper, hyper uh, digital capitalism. Yeah. Yeah, where it's all like, it's all, I don't know, it's like this information shit that they're trying to sell. It's like, they're going to realize it's like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know what the trends are. And I'd be surprised. I mean, I'm a terrible example because, you know, I don't buy anything and I refuse to. I I feel guilty every single time I buy anything that is new. Okay. Because that had to be made and therefore a piece of nature was destroyed. I'm not going to have any illusions about that. Everyone likes to pretend right. not, but there's a scar someplace for everything. You but, but you were saying everything comes out somewhere else after it's destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a steady state yeah. universe. It is, but uh, you know, I don't want the steady state to be like covered world covered in plastic yeah, bags too late. I think, unfortunately, See, you know, but um, I don't know. Yeah. I just really think it's like the, the, just getting our heads around a more distributed thing. It means what that buys people. It's like, if I had a hut, cause you know me, if I had a hut that was solar powered with one of like a things so that I could communicate anywhere, it's like, what do I need? I don't need well, see, much. That, that's the thing with me too. Power. Right. But that's, that's the trick, right? It's like, like for me, it's like, yeah, as long as I have the internet, I'm good. But it's like, if they take the internet away, like I'm fucked. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I don't know. Oh, you would. I would just walk. It's like, okay, I can walk to my friend John's. It'll take me an hour. So what? What else am I doing? Yeah. You know, I walked to Allison's place. It's but to happen. not have the it's ability like, to instantly get information and communicate with everyone on the planet. That's like, I don't know how I could exist at any other time other than this. It's like, can, can you imagine me like even like one generation back? Like I would have been like an academic or like just fucking crazy like William Burroughs. You know, it's like there's not many options there without the internet yeah yeah if you would if you had grown up when i was growing up like if you had been an actual contemporary of mine <laughs> you know i think it would have been like that because you just would have been one of that nerdy guy with like just like all the books 
which you already have, but it would just, yeah, but I would have been just like, so, so like depressed and understimulated, you know, it's just like more than I am now. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to imagine. It's like, or like, if you imagine like, can you imagine me like 400 years ago, I probably would have been like one of those like crazy monks, like writing grimoires just because they're so fucking bored. You know, it's like, probably. But I mean, you would have been happy. It would have been what you knew. It's like, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we, we live in a you time without instantaneous point. teleportation, space travel, and being able to, uh, re, re, you know, re, uh, reconfigure our bodies at will with nanotechnology. And we don't even know what the hell we're missing out on, you know? <laughs> well, I am kind of looking, I was, I've been looking forward. Oh yeah. To it's going to be great, but you know, we're not there yet. But I mean, really, really, do we need that? You can close your eyes and do it. You say that, but if you had the option, I mean, I would definitely do all kinds of stuff. We don't, I mean, in the future, we're going to be able to inhale, we're going to be able to absorb information by inhaling sentient mist. And it's going to be sentient. It's going to be like vaping. It's going to be great. Vape internet. Did you watch the Congress yet? The Congress? Yes, it's a film. You must watch it. I've never heard of this. I think it's a, I can't remember who the actress is in it. It's a great, it's, it's so meta. It's based on the novel by Stanislaw Lem, the Futurological Congress, but it's got this contemporary sort of Hollywood celebrity twist to it. That's really like actually very pertinent. It stars Harvey Keitel as AI, according to the IMDb. Okay. No diss on Harvey. It's like maybe his worst performance <laughs> okay. ever. Worse than Bad Lieutenant. I don't pretty know. bad. Pretty terrifying. I don't know. No, Bad Lieutenant was like, at least it was like psychotic. Yeah, yeah. It's a truly disturbing movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the original. Yeah, especially. But uh, no, it's really, it's really interesting. It's about, you know, like to spoil spoilers. It has stuff like that where it's like, it's in the future and it's like, oh, you're not allowed to enter the zone without this. And it's like, it hands you a little thing. It's like you inhale it and all of a sudden, you know, you're tripping heavy and you've got, but you've also got all this information. Oh, wow. See, I I thought I just made that up off the top of my head, but of course, just like everything else, somebody else has already thought about it and made a movie out of it already. Okay. Yeah. Everyone should read everything by, uh, who is that French guy? Verne. Jules Verne. Jules Verne had so many genius, like futurological. I mean, like just Captain Nemo. Yeah. Eco eco warrior. Ocean is food supply thing. And he's vegetarian. He only eats kelp. Captain Nemo. People forget this. Captain Nemo is a vegetarian in the book. He's like, that's ridiculous. Like, why would you do that? How <laughs> how how, how, base how were like, his iodine levels? Great, because kelp yeah. is huge in iodine. Can can you can you OD on kelp though? I don't know, but he doesn't have to worry about nuclear warheads, does he? He'll just glow. He's like pre pre prepped. No, it's like you know, going down to the ocean. I mean, there's just like all these things. Sonar communication. I bet he has in that, and it was probably before it was invented. Wasn't there something? I'm. I can't remember what it was. I remember reading something that it was like these guys, Jules Verne and H.G. Wells, were not just science fiction writers. They were kind of involved in these 
you know, think tanks like at the similar to like Davos type stuff at, at the time where they were kind of like putting out propaganda for, for future scenarios that people were coming up with. Oh, well, I mean, we need more of that. I yeah. think it's like, there's a, I gotta say there's a paucity of like really grand thinking. It's like, Oh, that's for Jeff sure. Bezos and this, these guys, it's like, come on, can we do something spectacular? I'll disagree like, with you though on piece? Jeff Bezos though. I've actually, he has a really good plan. In fact, he may have the best plan of anyone on it. Hear me out. Hear me out. Jeff, this is Jeff. Like I watched a thing with Jeff Bezos and this is basically what he said. He said, since the ninth, since I was a kid in the 1960s, all I have wanted to do is make Star Trek real. So I realized that in order to do that, I was going to have to get a lot of money. So then I started Amazon and I made a lot of money. And here's the plan. We're going to offload all industrialization to the moon and make Earth a park planet and everything's going to be manufactured on the moon. And there's going to be shipping lanes in between the moon and Earth. And people are going to be able to make space startups in their dorm room. Unmentioned subtext, Jeff Bezos will own the moon. But you know what? It's a pretty good plan. I've never heard a better plan. If we can save the ecology of the planet, that's his point. Any cost is yeah, worth it. I agree with you. It's like let let Jeff do his thing. You see any better plans? There's no point. That's why it's like Elon's like dude, Elon is ridiculous. Way early, but, way early to be going to Mars. We are not ready for that. Maybe sometime. I disagree in the future. with that too because I've actually worked on the Mars space program for the U.S. and India, and I don't think that's the case, but. That's me. I understand people don't well, like I'm the just idea. saying it's like now is not the time. I disagree. First thing we have to do is learn how to manage. That's never going to happen. People are never going to change. <laughs> if they were going to change, they would have 2,500 years ago. We can't. There's no, it's not possible. People are not going to change. We just need more, more space. You can't. We're not living anyplace else. It's ridiculous. It's, it's not absurd, absurd at all. The, it it's is not absurd. absurd. Nobody's living on any other planet. One explosion, one this, one that. It's like people disaster. said we couldn't I mean, fly either. Like, people said we couldn't go to the moon. Still on the, yeah. Okay, you can go to the moon, and your trip to the moon is more fragile than going. Like, is more fragile than going to the bottom of the ocean. We should go to the bottom of the ocean too. It's not ridiculous at all. We went to the moon for the first time. What, 40 years ago? I'm not saying we shouldn't go there. I just don't think it's a, it's not a place that we should consider as a legitimate place to populate. I, I disagree. I don't think that's I, I disagree. I, don't I disagree. I'm all for it. I think it's our only option for survival, actually. <laughs> and I don't just think that. Yeah. I, I spent many years working on that. I just... It's implausible. I, I disagree, and I actually... I, I see this opinion a lot and, uh, you know, I don't feel any way about Elon Musk one way or the other, but I think that anything that gets in the way of our off-planet migration is has to be stopped. It's the only option for planetary survival. Not planetary survival, excuse me, species survival, because people are not going to change. Yeah, I don't care. People aren't... I don't care. You don't care about human survival? Humans humans can go... Well, then we're on, then we're on different care. pages. If you only care yeah, about the, the if you only care about the survival of the biosphere, then then carry on. But I'll point this out: in 2010, I the math I worked out was we really have only two options. One is off planet migration, and the other is genocide. So pick yours. I picked mine. Well, I mean, the thing is, let's just say, let's just say, 
we could figure out how to live at some scale on any of these other planets, sure. which is hugely difficult. And I right think now, at least another hundred or 200 that's years. That's nothing. Hundred two hundred years is nothing. Well, I know. I'm just saying that's why I'm a, got this issue with Elon. It's like way too early. To why? Why? Way too. Why early. is it too early to start? I think it's a waste of resources right now. I think there's better places to apply those resources, and there will be a time when those resources. I dis- will be I disagree because we could we could easily wipe this, wipe ourselves out in the meantime. He's not preventing it. Why? Why He's does just he have using to? Up resources. He's not king of the earth. No, I'm just saying, but I'm just saying he's wasting resources with this totally, it's like half-ass expedition. It's like watching a kid build a bridge out of marshmallows. And it's like, maybe it's a good engineering exercise, kind of, but it's, you know, we could have eaten those marshmallows and we would have had the energy to build. Well, at the same time, you look, I mean, there's $1 trillion worth of resources in one asteroid. It's not a zero sum game. There's resources and ability to expand off world. It's not like, it's not like you take five dollars from one place and put it another place and it's wasted. This is a long term civilizational project, and I'm very, right. I'm well, very, I'm uh, I have a very. I'm just saying he's not. I disagree. I disagree. Way, I think yeah. it's the most important thing. Everything else is downstream of space exploration, because. But we, we can't do space exploration if we're all dead. Well, we can't do anything if we're all dead. And yeah. if, but, and but the point is, is, my point is, if we do not have living space to expand in enough time, we will be dead. There's now, as of a few days ago, 8 billion people on the planet. Because if we run out of wow. resources, if we run out of resources without living space, then we're all just going to end up killing each other for limited resources. That's exactly what's going to happen. Well, unless we get space. So you see my point. And then the people will kill each other in those places. That you're assuming that. That's a. We're gonna get out of. We're gonna get out of solar system. I didn't say out of solar system. Well then, wait. <laughs> if you can't get infinity. Well, you're just. This is just. You're, you're just arguing. This is just words now. Well, no, but I mean, wait. We've expanded into the solar system. What happens after we've used up all the real estate Keep in the going. solar system? To where? We live in an infinite universe. How, wait, so we're getting out of solar well, system. we're talking super long term now. I'm saying the, the destiny of, uh, you know, it's like Burroughs and Geisen said very clearly, Earth is a space station and we are here to go. I take that very seriously. The, the destiny of human beings is off world. And if we can't do that, then it, at some certain point, it's like a dandelion that gets burnt before it can spread. And I'm not so cynical about human beings that I think that that would be a good thing. Well, good, bad. Bad. I don't know. I think if I was an elephant, I'd feel different. Well, if you were an elephant, I mean, then then wouldn't you like the idea of putting all of Earth's industrialization on the moon so that they can have a nature preserve here? That yeah, I, I like it too. I think that it's a very like. sensible plan. It's not science. That's a very it's not science plan. fictiony at all. And That's it's like, I mean, if you if you put Jeff Bezos and I'm not an apologist for either of these people, they're both, you know, say what you will about them as people, but they they do wield a certain amount of power. I think if you put Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos next to each other, it's pretty clear who 
the more adult person is. I'm not saying he's a saint or a great person. I'm saying like Elon is a bit erratic, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's inspired, but uh, distracted. Yeah. And Jeff, despite being, you know, Dr. Evil and all of that is uh, he delivers. So I trust him to do it more. <laughs> that, sorry, oh, nice. that wasn't that was intentional. Good. That's a good. That was yeah. good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, long term things. I don't think it's long term at I all. I mean, I think it. it's really simple. We can. It, we would have already been. We would have already colonized the moon if the U.S. had not lost the political will to do it. It was easy. And now what's going to happen is China's going to do it. Right. So on the dark side, well, I mean, anywhere. Well, I know, but that's even wiser because that way it's like, they can't be spotted. (laughs) Well, who knows what happens on the dark side of the moon? What happens on the dark side stays on the dark side. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I really think, I mean, like turning one of the craters into a monstrous telescope. That'd be cool. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Spread a giant, you just spread a giant piece of cloth, basically, over shape. You create a little bit of suction, and you get an automatic parabolic shape out of it. You know? I mean, they'll refine it, of course, and do it really nice. But it would you could build a giant thing. It would be easy. You could probably use the aluminum on the moon and the sun shining on the moon using, you know, like uh, sun things to melt it all and make your stuff. You know, you can do it for free. Well, you could turn craters into speakers, like speaker cones. That would be awesome, oh, that would right? be awesome, too. I mean, it's like... Except that you'd need to have them that big, because the air's so thin oh, to no. get any volume at all, you'd have to have... You can oh, really? Speak. Like, would you not be able to hear anything? No, there's no air. Also be pointless. Well, you could make atmosphere and then make speakers. That's Just why so it's you could so play people your fire mixtape. Because the ocean carries sound really well. So all those animals, all the cetaceans in the ocean, when you explode something in the ocean, it's way louder because water carries the sound way better. It's much denser, right? It's got a higher speed. And it's like, yeah, if you could create an impact, like an explosion, that's why you depth charges. You just have to explode it near the submarine. The shock wave of the water is enough to rupture. So like, like I, like I've never thought about this before and I, it's, it's pretty depressing, I guess it's like, so if people are setting up depth charges, are they like killing like all of the life, like, you know, in, in a certain radius just by the shock wave? Oh yeah, probably famous way to go. You know, the cheap, the cheapest way to go fishing <laughs> dynamite is with fishing. a bunch of, <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Fun. Dynamite fishing. There's, there's a, like, yeah, there's, yeah. I mean, the speaking of, uh, unheroic thing yeah it's awful i mean there's there are people who do poison fishing where they just dump poison into a lake and wait for the fish to come to the surface well that's a that that's a a traditional indigenous oh it is yeah that's funny that's like that's like indigenous people in america used to light the plains on fire and let all the buffalo run off a cliff and then just harvest the meat at the bottom of the cliff just like kill all the buffalo (laughs) right well but I mean, they no doubt they were managing it reasonably well because they lasted for a pretty yeah. good long time with a fairly stable population, you know. So as long as you do that, I think that's you know that's our problem right now is that we at some point humans do need to figure out how to close the loop. Kind what, of. what do you mean? You know, like where it's like 
we need to be mining our garbage. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, cause there's a lot of resources that we're throwing away and we, because we're not doing snout to tail kind of usage of everything. Got to get that snout. We're losing out on a lot. Like just the other day, uh, when I was in Oakland, just before I left, somebody walked up to program and they hand me this piece of Swedish leather stuff. And they're like, Hey, what did that come from? Right. And I'm like inspecting it. I'm looking at the, the nature of the leather and the pattern on it. And I was like, I don't know, some kind of lizard it looks like. I don't know. And he's like, salmon. Wow. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, salmon skin makes really nice, soft, supple what? leather. And it's just, yes, you just need to clean them and tan it's them. Just, just you just put it out in the leather. sun and that's it? Well, no, when you say tan, I mean, uh, you add a, you know, you pee on it or you add tea okay. to it or chestnut ooze from it, something like that. Something with some tannins. Or you can just scrape it and use oil and uh, other okay. stuff too. But basically, you clean is it, it really strong? well. Is it strong? It's like it salmon skin is stuck. so delicate normally. No, it's tough. Really? Like, it was like wow. really nice suede. I would have loved a purse made That's out amazing. of something. Wait, it felt it was fuzzy like suede or soft. On one side it was wow, fuzzy, and on the other side it had it just like it was almost like deer skin, where it's like really what soft, smooth grain, except it had a light uh, lizard kind of texture from the uh, scales. So it's very David Ike. You do like reptilian furry costume. No, but I think things like that. It's like we're gonna learn. We're I, I have a lot of hope for yeah, humanity. I, I, I believe in a solar pump yeah, I do future, too. you know, that we can, that we can balance all these things and we can make it so that we won't have that much of an impact on the earth. Cause it's a really beautiful place and it's for selfish reasons. I believe a hundred percent in selfishness. You know, I help somebody in the street because it makes me feel good. And I just help the world by, yeah, that's them, great. No, right? that's so great. I, like, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I, I have to, you know, I occasionally have to break up my my darkness and rumination by helping somebody so I can feel good at least for like five minutes, you know, just a little bit of raise. But yeah, no, like when I saw the Dalai Lama, he said the same thing. It's like, you know, I'm su he said, I'm like, I'm like the most selfish, selfish person ever because I see everyone as part of my greater self. So I'm just like being selfish all the time, you know. It's like <laughs> right, exactly. That's the way you need to see it. It's like. You know, one of my friends needs help. Of course, I'm going to help you if I possibly can. Why wouldn't I? I'm going to charge you. Like, why would I mar? Why would I mar that? It's like, oh, no, I'm not allowed to unless I cut myself because I'm cutting. You know, it's just like, can That's we just funny. not raise everything up rather than, you know, I mean, I with this economic debate, it's like, really, it's like my whole thing is just stagnant money. Any money that is not in the economy, it's like somebody lays off a bunch of people. It's like. That is so short-sighted. It's like better to lose money and keep them on in a way because like that way the money is going in the economy. Well, the so money stays in the economy in the stock market. Well, no, but it's centralized in the economy. It's not actually flowing in the economy. Not, it's not exactly. I mean, it's not because active. it's all the stock of it. Stocks are not that's, active. That's not They're true. not helping anybody. Any of that. I, that's I, not I disagree about anybody. that. I mean, it's like it's still flowing in the sense of like, like it's, it's moving in the market. No, it didn't. Did it make a person do an act and that person get paid for it? Yeah, just maybe not the act that you want them to be paid for. 
they would have got paid the same amount of money. No, they got paid more money every day for doing exactly the same thing where they sit in front of the computer screen. Well, that's just one, that's, that's just one ass. That's traders. Traders are annoying and useless, but it's, the market is not traders. It's, it's all the individual stock owners and people's retirement funds and the, the, the company itself and all of this. So it's like, and you can't, but interest drives inflation. Well, there's that too. I mean, but that's another reason why, but inflation is, is not a function of that's usury. Inflation is usury. Interest but, is usury. But inflation usury is, drives but it, inflation. I don't know about that. Interest is, is it? Well, interest is usury, usury, but is inflation? Inflation is not interest. No, but interest drives inflation. That is the because your money is worth less. So now you have to print more money. That's that's non-causal though. That's indirect. It could, but not as a direct function of. Same with all savings. Any money that is not actually flowing, any money technically in a savings account right now, in any kind of static holding account where it's drawing interest, is should be flowing. And the, it's hurting the economy that more money isn't flowing and that too few people have too much money that isn't actually employing people. It doesn't do that. When Louis the Fourteenth used up all his money, he built Versailles by doing. Then he got. Then he got beat. And then he taxes the people and gets some money and hires more people. <laughs> he kept so many people. L- in Louis the Fourteenth is like one of the world's greatest like uh, uh, examples of of despotism and like conspicuous consumption. Like he had them put gold on everything. He was like Trump. It's like, you just have right. gold toilets. Okay, wait, like wait. That. That's like the definition of like wasted uh, resources. No, no, not at all. Because it was a different time what? to mine all those resources to apply. All they didn't that mine gold. it. They stole it from the new world. Well, to employ the people to go steal, <laughs> but whatever. They, that moved. That details. money definitely no, got was not stagnant and moved because they stole it and brought it back over on boats from all the people in South he was America. Hiring people in France is the point. He was hiring. He was making people employed by emptying his coffers and spending it all on, on gold building stuff Versailles. for himself. It seems like an opulent waste of time, but just like the pyramids. You ended up keeping everybody employed and giving somebody every uh, people things to do. He could have held on to that money, and all those people that built Versailles but wouldn't he, have made he, any money or had he, he any. He did work hold on to it in the sense that he was making gold. He was, he was making gold he, stuff for himself, not for other people. It was for the employment. Um, making making everything gold in his palace was for the employment. It takes a lot of work. I'm sure it takes a lot of work. I don't know if it was out of the goodness of so a heart. So you have to employ a lot of people. All those craftspeople got jobs. If he hadn't built Versailles, all of those people would have been unemployed. He was smart enough to know, I need to give a vision for Gold France. toilets for me. I need to give all the people nearby something to do so that they'll like me and defend I don't know, me because I supply the entire economy. I don't think for they liked him and defended them. him. They ended up killing him, didn't they? Well, yeah, they, well, no, that was like, that's a 16th, 17th, right? Yeah. 
he, he, the Sun King was, he did have the longest reign of any sovereign in history. That's, that's, uh, so he had that going for him. Okay. If he beat out any of the British, like any of those women in Britain, then that's yeah, he, he was, he reigned for 72 years and 110 days. That's longer than, than Elizabeth II. That's pretty good. And the revolution wasn't until okay. after him. Well, there's a point here that there's a point here I've been thinking about a lot that is, um, I think, a fundamental point that we both agree on and that gets lost so much, which is when people talk about the economy, um, they talk about these abstractions on screens and derivatives and derivatives and, and stuff and usury, right? And people moving numbers around. Um, the economy is not that. The economy is people and their labor. And I think... So yeah, and I, saying, that, that's, that's how I feel. And I think like, like, I think that I actually was thinking about this too. It's like the idea that the economy is human labor and not like numbers, abstractions is one of the most dangerous <laughs> ideas on the planet. Because every idea, every time somebody proposes something like that, they end up getting killed like Gaddafi, you know, in, in Libya, things like this. It's like, but it's, it's so obviously true. It's like, no, the, it's like the whole number abstraction game of the economy. It's like basically somebody showing up and saying, all of your stuff belongs to me because of this complex equation that you don't understand. But I understand it. So give me all of your stuff. It's like, no, like, like, it's just like, there's this, no, it's like the economy is people's labor and the products of it. But most importantly, it's the labor power of people. Right. And even wider. I mean, that's the, the, I mean, the sad part is that we've reduced it to that. I mean, I, you know, like I believe money is actually a virus from outer space. It's infected anybody. Anybody that thinks that money is worth anything has cordyceps virus in their skull and it's called money and it's controlling you and making you do things that are against your best interest for money. You know, that's where I land on that. And Gaddafi got killed because they wanted to set up an African Money yeah, system. no, that's what I'm saying, right? It's like, oh, no, 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 you don't know. Yeah, no, it's a game. No, uh-uh. yeah, exactly. no, no. no. The West was like, no, time, time to what? bring you some freedom and democracy. <laughs> we control Africa still. We, we're we playing along with you with this whole, like, yeah, we like yeah, exactly. free. But, but you know we like to stick our fingers in whenever we Yeah, you know to. there's like tons of secret wars the U.S. conducts in Africa. Like, we're always over there. We're like at war in like a dozen like countries in africa and they never tell anyone about it well you know what i mean they're walking around with guns (laughs) it's a few hundred thousand mercenaries oh yeah they're not us they're they're contractors they're they're contractors they're just like they're fulfilling it's a it's a it's a it's an economic uh incentive there's nothing to do with us it's kind of like when we left Afghanistan. It's like, well, how many contractors did we leave there? Oh my god, that was such oh, a debacle! Yeah. And uh, you know, people get so into it. It's, it's like, I mean, nobody should have ever no. been there. And it's like, how could they just not send a few like nice covert snipers? Yeah, you, you can have some people climbing around hunting. That's down what everyone wanted at the time. The they mountains. were like, you know, do do some James Bond shit, but it, you know, nope. But not this whole war thing. It's so like. 
so 20th century. Come on. Yeah, literally, 19th century. Uh, Julian Assange. Yeah, so old yeah. school. Julian Assange, some, somebody asked him, it's like, well, you know, why were we there for 20 years? Uh, this is before he was in prison, obviously. And he said that um, the reason that the U.S. was in Afghanistan for so long and other countries was because we were using it to launder money. That all, all this like money that was going over there to build up, quote unquote, democracy in Afghanistan was actually just getting laundered. And it was all going to like build mansions in Virginia and, uh, you know, for defense contractors and things like that. They just used it as a mundering laundry dump. And I, I thought about that. It's like I could not even if I sat down and tried and I'm pretty dark, but if I sat down and tried, I could not come up with something that cynical. I really like I couldn't come up with that. And it just it I don't think most people could even conceptualize something like that that is so monumentally cynical and dark. And yet here we are, you know. Wait, you don't think that's true? No, I do think it's true. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying trying to understand of course I think it's true. I'm I'm trying to understand the mentality of somebody that would come up with that as a plan. It's like I can't like I, mean, I can't like how I can't make my brain do that. Right. Well, yeah. But I mean, you know, again, when I was a teenager, it was like Oliver North hit Christic Institute investigation, props to them for the first outing of the whole situation. But I mean, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, let's not pretend the U.S. government, CIA, who knows what the yeah. hell they're up to with all their drugs and this and that and this country and that country and all kinds of stuff. And we don't know. And who knows? Maybe maybe like the jack nicholson character you know it's like you know which one all it's for our own good and he's protecting oh like a few good men like you can't handle the truth yeah Yeah, okay okay (laughs) or it's just a bunch of greedy bastards who don't care what levers they pull and how many people they kill is because it's not their friends or family no i think it's yeah i i'm at this point in my life much much more ready to assign things to basic greed and stupidity and confusion uh or just greed uh than any any anything necessarily more than that um i think that but i was thinking about this a lot recently and i came to the conclusion it's like you know what i think america is basically just a drug cartel it's like why, why were we, it's like, why were we in Vietnam? Why were we in Afghanistan? Why are those the two biggest opium poppy growing spots on the planet? Where did... Yeah, boss, yeah, Bay of Tonkin, false flag operation. Yeah. You know, like... I don't want to say it, false flag operation. <laughs> just to fill in the blanks. Uh, <laughs> fill in whichever one. You don't get sued for a billion dollars. Um, but... Uh, but, you know, we know it's like, let's face it. Wasn't the Lusitania too? Yeah, I can't it remember. was. I mean, no. no, that's the thing. If you go back far enough in history, they just admit it. That was apparently Aleister Crowley's idea, by the way. You know that, right? Yes. Because he was an MI6. So yeah, he the was an MI6 operative. This was in, in the book Secret Agent 666. He was an MI6 op- and make a ton of money selling weapons for this war. I don't think he, he I don't think that came up. It was more like, you know, if you want the Americans to get in, this is what you should do. And he was writing, you know, he was writing like fake German propaganda over here and doing psyops. So it's, I mean, it's a fairly, it's not a conspiracy theory. I mean, it's fairly well, well backed up that he at least had played a role in that. 
But the thing about America being a drug cartel, just like the English were, you know, you forget the opium wars in China, right? right? The opium wars. You know, it's like, I, it's like this, this whole world is run by like heroin and, uh, and, and whatever oil, human trafficking, you know, it's like, and, um, it's like, where did all that opium come from to make all that Oxycontin and fentanyl had to come from somewhere? Oh yeah. Well, uh, what was that show? That's so dark. Uh, Jason Bateman. Uh, not Arkansas. God damn. Got the big lake. I just finished watching the Ozark. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that show. I only saw the first, like, season and a half, but it was pretty vibey. Oh, at some point, they get into selling the heroin for fentanyl, like, oh, for no. Oxycontin oh, manufacturing. No. <laughs> yeah. They, t- they, they touch on that. What, and what did they say? They like, say it's all grown in the Ozarks? Well, like, that's no, the thing. That's it's what grown they in Afghanistan. Yeah, that's what they that's what they say, but really, they're importing it. From you know, from Mexico yeah. or wherever, Colombia. I right? just think it's like the the America is a narco state. I mean, you just have to look at Oliver North to see evidence of that. Uh, and 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 the outline is the only thing that makes it work. What what is the outline? What do you mean? If everyone could grow their own poppies and not get hassled, if people could put coca plants in their yards and make their own little batch of coca the way traditionally, you know, like 10,000 years ago, it's like, yeah, let's do the coca harvest. We'll have our coca for this, you know, come on, it's party. we have so and so's birthday yeah, next I, week. <laughs> let's make sure that we have. I, some I'm not going to say anything, but uh, you know, someone I met said that. Uh, you know, just doing the uh, organic coca leaves and opium poppies is uh, a real good time, and uh, not not the the road to, you know, cracktum or whatever. No, that's the thing. Like, if you keep it at that level, then it's just like entertainments for everybody around the village <laughs> for when you're having a celebration and whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, or a, a good a good becomes, way to get amped up to carry like a basket of clothes on your head up a mountain. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It had its function and people realize that. But because it gets so refined and pure, yeah. like purified to this extreme, you know, then all of a sudden you do it, it's dangerous and it's addictive. And but that's that but it strikes me. I mean, did nobody wake up from cigarette debacle here? Yeah. Just, but I mean, like as you're saying that, it's like, well, that's like money too, you know. It's like what you're talking about at labor, talking about with labor in the economy. It's like money is like in the super refined form of like the market and derivatives and abstractions. It's like it's the same thing. It's this thing that's like refined to like just ultra uh, destructive levels. Yeah, I mean that's why you know I've tried to remove myself from interaction with it as much as possible in my life. Oh, I try to write it, but you know me, I like I like demons. I like harnessing demons and making them do my bidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And that's never got me uh, into trouble know, before I, ever. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I made that long pact you know, like that's my thing with humanity. It's like actually, yeah, humanity's whatever. Humanity's one little blip in the grand scheme of this planet. So if it thinks it's all, oh no, that, definitely not. Let's see. Definitely what it, not. 
let, let's see what it can pull. But I'm, I root for the biome. Well, you realize it's all the same thing, right? It's not like a, an antagonistic relationship necessarily. It's seeming like we have a cancer. Well, then you're suggesting that humans are an alien factor. No, I'm saying that you can, parts of your own genome can suffer from oxygen starvation, start to poison themselves, and then all of a sudden they turn into prions that start And that's all, all human beings? Uh, I'm just saying on the, the, as the mass of the organism. I'm not going to pick on one bacteria. Yeah, but there's lots of good bacteria. You, know, you need, you need bacteria healthy bacteria. One bacteria gives me immunity. My whole bread spread in this stuff might not be so good for me, you know? Yeah, but there's also there's like also there's, all the good bacteria that you need for digestion and health and that's that's everybody that's not humanity. But I, I, everybody who's like all animals are good bacteria. Yeah. So all human beings should die basically. No, I didn't say that. I just think it, humanity is in uh Humanity's got a poor metabolism right now, and it's suffering from oxygen starvation or something, life starvation, green starvation, and it needs to reorganize itself so that it can like get a blood supply, a proper blood supply in, because cities are just. Oh yeah, you know, well that's why there's only two options: there's more living space for people or less people. Just like a cancer cell, a city has to extend all these tendrils out to the periphery to draw the nutrients in towards itself rather than being a cell that can sit there and rely on the handy nutrients that it has to manage its cell economy. A cancer cell goes erratic, starts to overproduce, needs more than is available locally, and all of a sudden, starts to suck away from everything else nearby. This is where we, I think we are. That's the thing. It's like, we just need to reorganize and soften things up a bit so that we are, if we were self-reliant more locally, I think it would be such an improvement psychologically because then people wouldn't have this deep paranoia of the knowledge <laughs> that at any day their power can be turned Oh yeah, off. no, I agree with, I think, even just uh, even you know, just like not having enough food, food resources, all of that. That's a that real thing. That's down. a real thing. You know, like have you ever had enough food to last you like a couple months? Like like when I was in like stocked up tuna or something like that. It's a different feeling, right? Well, I did just I had like you know you have a garbage can full of rice and a garbage can. Full did of you beans. notice that shift when you you realized that was there? Yeah, but I mean, I had a village nearby. I could have gotten anything. Well, that's you pretty similar, I mean? though. I mean, it's like, when, but at a certain level, it's like when you know there's always there's going to be enough for a certain period of time. It's very calming. Oh, uh, I feel like that all the time, almost. Okay. Because I mean, that was that's that's when I really tried to get my head around foraging, which would be hard to do as an actual like day to day in a city. But still, to know to just have that confidence, it's like wait, wait, wait. I will never starve. Like, I should never starve. I'm just being a lazy ass if I'm starving. Like, there's no excuse. If I put in a good hard day's work, digging this and that, and just like, you know, 
collecting grass. Have you ever bow hunted elk while on DMT? That's a Joe no. Rogan joke. I'm sorry, that's just yeah. No, I would never bow hunt an animal. <laughs> this, just, this is the point in like most people's podcasts where they're like, "Bro, have you ever hunted an elk on DMT? That shit will change your life." No, and I only did DMT once. What do you think? Uh, this is like a story. Everyone has super to. Fascinating. <laughs> this is it turning into a stereotypical podcast. Go, go ahead. To me, it was the most the, the the time dilation was like the thing. It was like light. It was almost like everything got slowed down. Like light got slowed down till it was a syrup. And I'm watching this like weird, the syrupy, plasticky texture of things as they ooze because. They're moving so slowly or something. I don't know. It was it was interesting. It was weird. And it's like, you know, this like it seems like this weird suspended moment in time that lasts an eternity. You know, more so than LSD, because yeah, yeah. it's like so yeah. brief. It's like it's stretched out, and that's all it does. It's like stretches out the time to such a dramatic degree that you can't even recognize things anymore. Yeah. But then and that seems like a really long time. Like you're sitting there for 15 minutes waiting for like something to move, to drop an inch in the air or something. Like that's the way it feels. And then all of a sudden it's just like, it's like, wait, I, I'm here again. Did you lose body? Okay. Uh, I might've had like a little. Oh, you should years. do more then. Cause if you do a bunch, you don't have a body anymore. You're just in hyperspace. Wow. You well, lose complete yeah, motor. I don't control. know. That worked good. And, you know, like my entire, like I did so much when I, so much LSD. When yeah. I didn't you tell me at one point you spent an entire summer like on LSD cons- consistently the entire? Well, a hundred hits. It's a lot and of hits. Well, yeah, I didn't do those all in one day. <laughs> Though, seriously, you look into the records, it's really good for you. It realigns your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. People kick drugs on this. Yeah. People like uh, people who have done ridiculous extreme doses they end up Look, in comas. They come out of the coma. I don't want my I don't want my like, nervous system aligned. I like being edgy, jagged, and, and, tra- and traumatized. Okay. <laughs> well, then you just stick with that. It's all good, and I well, love you for you. it. Yeah. How how would I how would I ever yeah. force myself to be on a computer all day long? If I did something like that, see, I can't go, I can't go on healing my trauma. I'd be letting people down. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, and it's, I, I, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate your maintaining the suffering <laughs> so that you can be in sympathy with others that are suffering in a similar resonance. I'm, 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 I'm so heroic. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> But yeah, no, but that was crazy because yeah, I had just like, I can't remember. I mean, like, I think it's a, you know, like I don't do it anymore, so I can't get in trouble. But anyways, you know, I bought like 300 or 400 kits, sold 300 for the price of the four and kept a hundred for myself. Capitalism. And, and that way I could do like three hits, then four hits, then five hits, like three hits one day, four hits, five next day, five hits the next day, take a day off. Three hits, four hits, five hits. Basically, that was sort of like the schema for the summer. 
And I was just like hanging out. I mean, it was so like normal. It's just like I'm hanging out with my friend, you know, I'm chatting with my friend Eric in the living room, looking at the tree outside that actually is a bazillion faces who are all singing me a song at the same time and stuff. I mean, it's just, you know, but you just, you, I think the thing is you learn to roll with it. It's really good for resilience for like later. It's like, doesn't matter what comes up in life. I think it might have given me like an extra like in one second startled time yeah. or something like that. Where it's like, no, I, you know, yeah, it's for like, sure. I'm not going to just react. I'm going to assess before I react because this is what things like Twitter and yeah. all these social things exploit, yeah. right? It's like I poked you, so you just lash out immediately, and I poke you, and you lash out rather than being able to get poked. And look at the person who's poking you and go, actually, you're a two-year-old and you're an idiot and you have a stick in your hand, so you don't know what you're doing. So I'm not really good at that. Basically. No, I think I was saying this in, in the last episode I did where it's like, or one of the last ones where that's what it's all about. I mean, like I, I was talking, I was saying to somebody, Mitch Horowitz or somebody like that, where it's like, it's like, you remember, it's like, like in my early twenties, I had this like grandiose idea of things and like all this, you know, crazy magic, uh, adventures and trying to save the world and understand everything and all that. And it's like, now it's like, I wanted all this stuff. And now it's like, Oh Lord, Lord of Lords, please just 0.5 second more reaction time after stimulus. <laughs> it's like just 0.5 second. <laughs> Deep breathing. Yeah. That's all I have to say. It's like, I think I, like I tried to build it up while I was in New York. I, I just like sitting there and just like 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Like, I'm so going to take my time. I'm going to feel every atom as it brushes against my alveoli on that intake and the outbreath. Because, you know, there's air to be, t- there's oxygen in the yeah. outbreath. People always forget. And, and holding it. You know? Pranayama, I think. I'm Yeah. And, I just taught a course on pranayama. I mean, it's like, that's the, that's the best. I, I, that's the best seriously, stuff. Seriously, I don't think there's a more important tool than I breath. Agree. Can, like, Conscious breathing. Nobody wants it to be that Nothing. basic, you know, but it's not basic at all. No, because it allow it gives you a. You have to have that trust when you're doing that really long breath. It's like even when I'm breathing out, as long as there is movement, and there's always movement. As long as there is movement, there's life, and as long as there's life, there's room to move to wiggle and like make adjustments and you know, carry on and roll with the situation sort of thing, you know, like trust in that trust, trust. I really like, that's the other thing. It's just like, that's why I just want to give everybody big hug. It's just like, trust. Yeah. you know, like this, this universe wasn't out to get us. We've designed this universe into something that feels like it's out to get us. And that serves some people's interests maybe. But if we just trust in the fact that like, no, actually this, we wouldn't be here now. Right. Because imagine humans, no technology. Maybe we have a bow. Maybe, maybe we don't even invent. We didn't invent Just the bow. Rocks. Somehow we're still we we lived through that, and had a good time doing. Allegedly, it. we would like to think. <laughs> of course, we did. You see animals. You know, like, say, it seems like a struggle, but oh, of course, most animals, it's just like they're just waddling around doing their little <laughs> chill thing. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go on my usual walk. And on my usual walk, I usually find enough to eat on a given day. So yep. 
duh. And that's just my day, yeah. you know? What more do you need? You walk around and you admire the fact that we live in this like ridiculous, insane, and still, this is the only planet that we know of in the entire universe with life on it. For now. For now, and you let me know when we find it. Well, we have no, we, we do. Think- we have two. We have two very good spots to expand to: the Moon and Mars. We're not going to find another planet. We have found planets with life, another in, or very likely have life in other parts of the in nah, parts of the nah, universe, okay. but not that we're going to get to. Very likely have life was Venus twenty years ago. Very likely have life was Mars 30, 40 years ago. Okay, what? talk to me when we find a planet with life because I think we underestimate. The number of cards you're, you're saying, well, you're saying, of, well, well, okay, but this is okay. This I agree with you with. We don't know it for all intents and purposes. We're all there. It, there is. And that includes the entire, entire biome, which means we better do everything we can to protect it, including spreading it to other locations. Oh, I believe in that. I mean, I think we should have been shooting garbage at the Venus all this time. <laughs> Or organic garbage. <laughs> we should have just been shooting organic garbage at Venus, hoping that some some of this. Oh, you mean just to, will just to make like some gaseous life form? Just to get some kind of life started, because life is amazing, and some bacteria will figure out how to finesse Venus to be yeah, useful. And then it's gonna. And and then once that takes off, it's gonna sh- it's gonna create could. trash trash aliens. You know. Yeah, it doesn't take many spores to mess up an agar plate, let me just say, okay? <laughs> you just got to wait a week yeah. or two. You know, just let it go like this in the air, close it up and wait, and then you can find out everything that was just you just breathed in. And it's a lot. Yeah. Have you thought about Jen a lot? I think about, yeah, I do. I mean, I think about, I mostly, I mostly really like, if there was ever a time when I wish Topi was just starting, was now. Why is that? Because I just think that, I mean, I'm glad that this podcast, I just think that, I don't know. This is a, like Time Wave Zero, Terrence McKenna, we're coming up to singularity. There's a ridiculous amount of novelty. Everyone knows that. That's why everyone's so anxious because change is happening yeah. way faster than anybody yeah, yeah. can recuperate from. You know, the novelty is off the hook and that's very upsetting for most people. So it just seems like now is a good time for those reminders that Jen was all about with like, and those things, it's just like, you know, Jen was a hit. Yeah. Yeah. Jen was a big, you know, always dreamed of the commune life and this and that sort of, but always realized that humans are such annoying and so yeah, in retrospect, I feel like of anyone, like Jen would have gotten blown her stack first in, in a situation like that and just gotten like sick of people like by a long, a long margin. <laughs> it's true. But it's, but, but, but she knew that that is, it's almost like, I know I can't do it, but it's still where we should be heading. And I think that's like a thing that you need to remember. It's like, uh, you know, Nietzsche had this thing about hypocrites. It's like, never criticize a hypocrite. 
A hypocrite is just telling us what we can do and they're not capable of doing themselves. But that doesn't mean that the aim is not good. Like overt hypocrites who say you should be doing this while at the same time they are right. legit not doing it. Or doing yeah, but it behind the, you got to you gotta be honest. I mean, like that's different than an aspirational. <laughs> you, no, like for, for somebody to say everybody should be vegetarian. I see and there can be list a long list of reasons to be vegetarian right, right. that are very pragmatic and all kinds of no, things. Yeah. selfish, altruistic. That that does drive me nuts when you, you you say things should be a certain way and people are like basically well you're not Jesus and you don't hover six inches off the the ground so like checkmate you know it's like <laughs> it's like what it's like I'm just saying it's like I think it would be nice if I could go <clears throat> and I got yeah, wings and I'm going awesome. fine yeah that, that would be, be amazing awesome. like what's to what's to rain on a parade it's like I wish that nobody had to work and we had little robot things that, that would, would also be awesome work for us. And we could sit around and I could play my banjo all great. day and we could just like hang. Yeah, you know? I'm all for that future, by the way. I think like a uh, uh, a future of a combination for future technology and rustic nature would be great. And that's pretty much where I'm going, what, what I'm going for, where I'm at now. Well, that's why I think if we reorganize things, like if all the houses had were self-supplying energetically and water-wise, and you grew most of your food within your na- local neighborhood, it would help everybody psychologically because oh, yeah. they'd have that sense of... Yeah, and that's very, that's very possible. And, that's very doable. And everybody can just sit around and hang and do the culture thing, like to, which is what we're supposed to be doing. And when I say culture, I mean local like culture. local culture. Yeah. It's like, I made a song, and my friend made a song, and we're going to do a skit this afternoon. Like, all the rich... British people used to be able Wait, they, to do, they had, you know, like what, these, like, what did they do? You know, like the Mary Shelley thing. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. They write books, but I mean, that was like, you know, like where people would gonna put do on, a, like, we're, oh, no, we're going to have a gonna, reading. We're going to put on a play yeah, yeah. this weekend. We're going to sew in Sino's Cottage and we're going to put on this musical. <laughs> people don't do that no, shit anymore. Don't. And it's like too bad. It's like, sounds like such a fun well, they, they do. They do it on the internet. It's like, but yeah, no, no, it, it, that's what it's. I mean, local culture is like magic in a sense. I mean, like my, my feeling about magic at this point is that it's just a spontaneous, it's like a property that spontaneously emerges out of the universe. Like I was walking in a field a couple of years ago and there were like all these uh, orange flowers that had grown and they had grown into like some type of um, star shapes or pentagram shapes in the, in the grass. And it was just like, no one, probably no one had ever seen them. I was probably the first person to see them. And it was this incredible magic and just like even forget shapes. I mean, just like the mad beauty of the moment that it just, it emerged. It had just spontaneously emerged out of, out of the universe. Nobody did it. I didn't do it. You know, it wasn't caused by anyone. It just emerged. And that's kind of how I think it goes. And local culture is the same way. That's the best type of culture. It just kind of emerges or even just if you're out talking or drinking with people, you know, it's like stuff or pod. That's one of the things I, one of the reasons I love podcasts so much is like, it's not about anything. You're just hanging out talking, you know, and you see what emerges. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and it's like, I sort of feel bad. It's like, it's almost like the flash mob got crushed just as yeah. it was, just as it was like hit peak. It's like, you know, like COVID came in just when that was sort of like becoming like, a wait, thing. flash mobs were a thing again. Wasn't that was like, no, but I mean, they, 
they were back in like when were they like yeah, the mid- yeah i remember right? when what yeah yeah like early 2000s that's what I'm saying. Up until like when 2015, still a flash mob could happen, and people wouldn't think it would. Yeah, well, they you know the Arab right? Spring was like the the peak moment for flash mobs, and then COVID, not that long after it seems like we were just getting a handle and things were going well. It's yeah. like nah, actually, that's how it like, goes, I guess. Things seem too positive. You all, all you people, too cheery. <laughs> We need to we need to make you feel depressed because otherwise we can't manipulate. Yeah, well, it's, it was like Occupy, Julian Assange, and Snowden all happened, and it seemed like things might actually change. And then it's like, no, nope, you're going to get Donald Trump. That's how that's going to go. <laughs> yeah, and the strange thing is that you know everyone, all these people that are for him or like support him or in some ways, a lot of them are like. I don't know. Um, like they want, it's like clean the swamp, yeah. get the money out of. It's like it's like they think they're doing the right thing. It's like somehow you're seeing beyond the fact that this was the guy that first worked out some kind of deal with Saudi Arabia that we don't know that somehow now Biden's playing along with. Right. They're just letting the whole murder go and whatever. It's like we can't do anything about it. They own all the oil. Let's just I, I would that argue up. that the, and, the thing about the Trump phenomenon, which is probably nobody wants to hear about anymore, but but I would argue the thing about it is I wouldn't necessarily say it was people thinking they were doing the right thing. It was people who were desperate enough to be the, you know, go the, the you know. Swallow yeah, that Well, pill. just to be the bad, to to take the evil path. I mean, it's like to be the bad guy. Cause it's like, at least it, there's an option that it would break up the system that has its, you know, so. yeah, that was, I mean, wasn't that so, sort of Susan Sarandon's point, yeah. which everybody got really mad. Yeah, that was ridiculous. That, that people like, got so angry at her. That, that was ridiculous. The people got so reactive about that, but that's, that's when everyone was like, blaming the greens for Trump getting elected, which is just stupid. Yeah. Whatever. It's like, Trump is symptomatic and it's like, yes, it's kind of good that he was president because maybe we wouldn't have confronted a bunch of shit that we did. Did we? I don't know. I feel like people just got let let it, you know, do shadow projection even harder because now it's like you see like everyone blames everyone, everything bad that happens anywhere in the world on Trump now. It's like in 1984, they have this thing called the hour of hate. Where there's, there, where you remember yeah. this, where there's like, there's this one politician that no one's seen for 30 years and they just, anything that goes wrong, he did it. And they just spent an hour. Actually, yes, doesn't he have a Jewish Yeah, they, he was supposed to be Trotsky, I think. Is, and if Big Brother is Stalin, you know, it's like, Trots, it's, he's supposed to be Trotsky, um, having been exiled to Mexico. But um, there's there's a certain thing, like, the, I love the hour of hate because it's just like, you know, it's like pick your cable news show. But it's it's like anything that goes wrong anywhere in the world is uh, is uh, so I don't know if people confronted yeah. anything you know it's like it's certainly it's just like it gives them a convenient person to blame all the things they're doing wrong on not that Trump is not doing tons did tons of things wrong it's just like it's very convenient to have like the the you know the kayfabe it's like the bad guy in pro wrestling that you you love to hate they love them so much you know it's like people just talk about them all day long right but i i think if that hadn't happened then people that okay a whole bunch of people are in denial but 
that the whole white supremacist thing. I don't know if that, you watched that. I'm sure. sure you did. We might have even talked about it. The Watchmen TV series. I did not see it. Which has nothing to do with Watchmen, and you can hate on it and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it really pointed out some stuff. And basically, it's like, the fact is, hey, you know what? That Selma and uh, the entire bombing of freaking thingy Oklahoma. Uh, where was I in Oklahoma? Capital the, federal, Oklahoma? the federal building? No. The Oklahoma City bombing? Yes. No, not the Oklahoma City bombing. (coughs) Wait. Are you thinking, you're not thinking of McVeigh? I'm so going to get in trouble. In the 90s? No, way before. This is when they destroyed the entire uh, black neighborhood. Oh. In Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Tulsa bombings. Yep. that's, uh, That's all addressed in the Watchmen TV series. And it's like, this is history that is not necessarily taught every single kid in America. And nobody should be walking out of their high school without having, I mean, I know they don't want to because military industrial complex. Yeah, well, I mean, that that's that's getting pretty real, too. I mean, like, again, like in Texas, uh, they're refusing, they're going to stop even teaching slavery and civil rights in the school. And in schools and like all this stuff, like the school system here is crazy. Like they, they literally banned V for Vendetta in Texas and uh, why the last man you cannot, you can't get V for Vendetta because it's an Antifa training manual, according to them. Like that's a, think about how silly that is. It's just like, it is. Well, well, right, well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and good for it. And we all love it for exactly that. Right. I didn't. I didn't say anything. I've never done anything that you can catch. Someone me. you met. <laughs> it was like the Bart Simpson thing. Like I didn't do it. You didn't see me do it. You can't prove anything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah, it's pretty. Right. It's pretty wacky. Well, but no, I think you're right. It's like right. it's like definitely there was a lot of stuff that that surfaced in that that people were just like blissfully well white people. I don't like if you're not white, you were sure aware of it. But it's like definitely like white liberals like during the Obama Obama administration were like, well, you know, like there was that racism thing and then we got over it and and Obama became president. The president end. Now. See, yeah, see, it's all it's like we're great, you know, and uh, no, no, that is not that's not what happened. That's not the case. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. No, not at all. I mean, you know, my friend uh, Joe in Oakland, you know, her argument was that the whole purpose of the uh, like part of the whole abortion restrictions is the creation of a white underclass or just a a larger underclass. It's like, if you're a middle class and you're forced to have eight children or basically like semi-forced, you're not forced, nobody forced you, you could have withdrawn or worn condoms, blah, blah, blah. But let's face it. They want everyone to have big families. Mm. This is the purpose of these laws. They want people to have big families so that we don't need immigration, but we have a big, cheap workforce. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. You know, it's basically plantation mentality. Instead of the East Coast and the West Coast, basically, where it's more, it's more, I don't want to say this, but intelligence-based tech, you know, economy, where it's like, it's what you do that earns a lot of money proportionally 
It's not right. physical. Which is, which is not necessarily just, good, by the way. I mean, it's like it's like I know you're no, saying you're I'm not making saying it's good it. Or yeah. bad. I'm just saying it just is what that it that's is. That's the purpose yeah. is that they want to have the rich people in the south want to have a whole bunch of people that they can pay a dollar forty five an hour yeah. to. And I don't care that you like you have a degree because your degree isn't worth much. Because I got a lot of people with degrees, and I'll pay you two seventy five. Yeah. Yeah, as an employer at this point in my life, like I can tell you, a degree really does not mean anything. It really doesn't. Um, yeah, um, no, I'll buy that. And I think that, yeah, that's speaking of hypocrisy, I mean, that's one of the reasons why the whole immigration debate was so, is so um, frustrating. It's like the reality of America is it, it basically runs off of illegal slave labor. <clears throat> And would collapse yeah. without it. And nobody wants to look at that on either side because it's like, we're, we're, you know, just like California runs completely off of migrant labor. And these people work harder. They work so hard and get nothing for it, you know, except, except hatred. And all, all these, yeah. it's like on one hand, you have all these like right wing racists who are talking about building a wall. It's like, okay, let's see. Like, I don't see you picking strawberries in a field or like mixing tar for roofs okay so when you when i see you doing that maybe i'll take you seriously right but uh you're not going to do those jobs and then on the same in the same way like people you know liberal people are just not willing to confront the fact that they at least in california i'm thinking it's like they're 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 benefiting from the system of of unpaid labor at every level yeah no definitely let's face it i mean you know, if there was a proper adjustment, let's face it, you know, the first world would just like have to suck it up and lose a whole bunch and nobody wants yeah. to lose that quality of life. And the quality of life, I mean, sort of, maybe it's part of this whole physics thing, but it's like, you know, you take a piece of paper and if you make a mountain on one side of the piece of paper, you know, so this part's sticking up and has a lot more money. It's got to be a, on this side of the piece of paper, that's yeah. Yeah. you know, like, it's it's not like everybody can be a billionaire and everybody that pretends that that it doesn't matter. It wouldn't matter being a billionaire if that was the case. There wouldn't be such a thing. I think what we aspire to, and I said this in a Tumblr post of mine, is like, you know what I want? Actually, I want no economy at all. I want zero economy. And what do I want zero economy? Because everyone already has absolutely everything they need. Right. Or they can make it themselves or locally, and therefore you don't actually need an economy as such. Well, Buckminster Fuller said that in the seventies, where he, like where he was saying that you know sometime in the nineteen seventies we hit a point where we really no one needed to have a job anymore. We had there's enough surplus, there's enough food, like people don't need to work. And he was saying that like most people's jobs, and if you think about this, is totally true. It's like most people's jobs are completely performative. And not essential and not really necessary in the grand scheme of things at all. You know, it's like if you're feeding people, if you're clothing people, if you're taking care of people or if you're producing food and shelter, okay. But if like you are producing spreadsheets in an office somewhere, like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a vanity job, you know, even if it doesn't feel like it's like in the sense, not in the sense of somebody needing money to live, but in the sense of it's not required at a species level and uh, I keep talking about 1984 because it made such a, it, it re-impressed on me 
so deeply during the COVID period. But like there was this whole section in that book, if you remember where he, uh, O'Brien is reading the manif- like the, the manifesto, there's like this whole like bit of political theory halfway through that's not part of the narrative where they're talking about like, okay, this is how the world really works. Anyways. Oh yeah. yeah and well, that's the thing. That's a, that's the point of warfare, right? The point of warfare is to take is all to, of our yeah, money. Yeah. And burn. Yeah. It. No, that, that's what he's saying. It's like, you know, the whole point of it's like warfare isn't about killing people. And it's not really even about taking territory. The whole point of warfare now in the 20th century is there's too much surplus and people need to be kept in a state of deprivation and fear so we can control them. So war is the point of war is to destroy like surplus, you know, value base. It's it just destroy stuff. So there's not, so there's never that's enough to go around. But that's why I think it's like, we're at this strange point where they're like selling all these solar panels. They're selling, we're getting to this point where there's all these technologies are coming into place that will make us actually be able to, if we, just took a little advantage of them. Sidestep this whole dependence on state infrastructure. Right. And get our autonomy back a little bit. And it would actually be good for the state. And I see like, you know, I tend to see forward thinking places as being like that. It's like even places that are going green. It's like you can always we can always dig up the oil later. If we're running on if we're running on uh, wind power now, if something goes wrong, then we'll use the oil. But if we use up all our oil on our land today, then what are we going to oh, do? That's a good point. Yeah. You mean keep the, keep know, the like, oil as reserves if the, yeah. Like what if we did have a nuclear war? How are we going what to if restart? We could, have, we could tomorrow. The, <laughs> right. And how are we going to restart the industrial revolution when so much petroleum is not like it's harder to get. You need deeper things. There, you, people just used to walk up to pools of it. <laughs> Is that real? Is that true? That's how. It, yes, that's how it was first discovered. It's like literally seeping out of the ground. It's like what is this goop? Oh yeah, like the little tar pit. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, people find a use for this. Do they just shit. think it was like whatever the fuck that black shit is over there? Yeah, you'd use it for tar, and then somebody figured out how to refine wow. it. And get this gas out of it. And this gas was like, oh man, this is like, this is like, this is like better than any oil that we've ever used. It's really pure and it burns really, really hot. It's better than wax. It's better than vegetable oil. Cause that's all well, you, you had whales. That's the thing. Like I was reading, I, I made a, oh yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Like I was reading Moby Dick when I first got here. And it's like the, the insane thing about it, it's like, you're reading this book about whalers and this insane whaling crazy industry, but you realize it's like, this is the oil industry at the time. Yeah. The time. It's crazy. Good thing for, good thing for whales that we yeah, discovered. Seriously. Oil yeah. That book is, yeah. There's a whole part in there that talks about them, like basically disassembling a whale after they've caught it, like in the dock. It's grim. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you watch films of that. And it's like these guys with these huge poles slicing open a whole belly, and it's like thousands of pounds of this fat just spilling out on the. Deck. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a violent person, and I don't wish ill on people usually. But uh, yeah, don't be fucking with the whales. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. But I mean, so I mean, I guess it's a good thing that we aren't 
needing whales for our oil. It's better than yeah. sucking it out of the ground for dead plants that never got rotted. Yeah. But it's still messy and been really bad for, you know, people's health. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, it's always a trade-off. I mean, like, you know, like we talk so much about Monsanto and things like that. I mean, but the thing is, it's like, I actually was thinking about this recently as well. I mean, you read about all these most awful wars of history. It's like World War II, the, you know, any war you can think of or a really bloody violent revolution. And when you when you really get down to it, it's like, you know, this is pre probably, you know, I'm not talking about the 1984 thing, but you know, prior to that point in history, it's like most of these wars were actually just fought over food, you know? And it's like, and you can, all you need to do is look at these to see like how horrible humans can be to each other when there's not enough food to go around. So I was thinking, it's like, you know, is genetically modified food really that bad in the grand scheme of things? It's like, at least people can eat. Cause when people can't eat, they get real, real real nasty yeah and i'm not saying like genetically genetic modification genetically modified food i mean okay when we got we got glyphosate which they've proven causes cancer and like all this stuff and it's awful but it's like at least right. people aren't like killing no, and eating each other you know? be, but you can breed i mean there's lots of breedings that have been done to improve species that aren't gmo and don't need monsanto's weird trick of basically holding you blackmailed right for their stupid roundup right. shit, you know, like you can build a plant that breeds true so that you can reseed your own plants and is genetically enhanced. I mean, those, those things don't, aren't necessarily incompatible. It's yeah, not, I just learned, I can't believe I didn't know this, but I, I just learned that, that broccoli, Brussels sprouts, and, and I think some other stuff like broccoli, like all these plants are basically the same plant. They're all the, mu they're, they're all, all the, the mustard plant. plant. Mustard broccoli yeah cabbage. i was like what the fuck i've been lied to what is this? that's all it's all the same plant europe until they invaded north america <laughs> or the, the americas at least yeah that that they didn't have anything i, else I just saw that they, like tomatoes some... no tomatoes no squash no beans uh no potatoes no well, sweet potatoes corn that was quote unquote no you know genetically modified you know I mean, yeah, corn is genetically modified. Yeah, it's called yeah. breeding. Well, that, that's that's one of the things about that's one of the tricks they play with GMO. It's like where they, yes, we have had genetic modification forever, but it's not transgenic modification, which is shooting genetic material out of a gene gun to directly change the the DNA of the organism. It's not the same yeah. thing. Those are no, yeah. and they and legit. Let's face it. Scientists would think that they're certain that it's not going to make any. And apparently you really actually like if you put out a genetically modified plant and you're going to eat it, they test. Let's say you've made a genetically modified potato. They are going to take that potato and do a an analysis of that potato and look for any weird chemicals that aren't usually in a potato just in case its metabolism did start producing something not unexpected, but long term, we don't no, know. We not. don't even, we just started learning about epigenetics recently. Yeah. So we don't know what happens if that new gene folds that way 
and this part of the gene is red and this part of some other gene is red, but it missed that part of that gene. And, but, you know, but I just I want mean, to stop you there because we definitely know for sure that modifying RNA to produce spike, spike proteins is 100% safe. So I just want to put that out there that, that that's okay. Nothing's 100% safe. <laughs> I have been assured by the authorities that it's, it's fine. I mean, I just, you know, I don't know. I, again, you know, I, I like, I tend to air very libertarian generally. It's just like, listen, just let everybody be whoever they are. Let them do whatever they want to do. That's their yeah. problem. No, no, natural you're not allowed to be like that anymore. Will, no, you can't be like that. Natural consequences will generally work it out or social consequences. Like in terms of, pronouns thing it's just like you know what people that can't just do that are just fucking assholes yeah no no They're no for sure bastards. it's like what you've never had to call somebody mrs like right <laughs> you've never had to say mr or sir or anything like that no you're just being an obstinate yeah. bastard for no particular yeah, yeah. reason yeah that's all that's well, all we are still cursed you know, with, we are still dumb. cursed with canada's son jordan who continues to haunt the the oh, airwaves yeah. with his crying and obnoxious bullshit. I don't know. Can you, please, Didn't please, you like? No, I never liked Jordan Peterson. I don't know why you said this. I'll, I, 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 I have, know, I have virulently the- hated in public Jordan Peterson since he first like surfaced the entire time. I thought there was one. No, there was one thing about, and it's just because I think maybe it was even at the time where you were like, "Well, I kind of like." His thing about just like encouraging people, and this is not a bad thing. But what's not a bad encouraging people like the whole making your bed in the morning thing, where it's like you know taking that thirty seconds to exert your will on your bed. No, I never said the making your bed. That is the silliest shit. The clean your room thing. I never said this. I will say this. Okay. Okay. You you must have. Well, I don't. I don't have a problem with that because if that makes somebody feel better about their space, I've talked to a. And empowers them. Yeah. Look, no, no. I will say this: like, if if something helps you, then who am I to say, right? Okay. It's like, like I think he did legitimately help a lot of people, and probably still does. But here's how I feel: it's like, like that book that he wrote, the Twelve Rules for Life, which are like pet a cat and be nice to skateboarding kids, and just like inane, vapid, contentless, (laughs) hypnotic horseshit. I never read it. You never read? Then you're not missing anything. I don't read any of his things. I try not to. I'm just like, whatever, some guy that's better. Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I did. And cause you know, anytime I, I would criticize him, everyone would come out of the woodwork to say, you haven't read his books and watched all of his YouTube lectures. I was like, okay, fine. I will. And, um, yeah. And I'm informed and still, but it's like, you. like, here's what, like, like the thing is, it's like, I can't believe people don't see through this. I mean, I think they do more now, but, even critics of Jordan Peterson did not get him right in the sense that you read that book and this is all I'll say about him. It's like, you know, you read that book is very um, moving and inspiring and you get like two thirds of the way through and he's talking about his health struggles and his daughter's health struggles and, and how, uh, you know, how you need to bury your suffering in life and grow up and mature and all this stuff. And it's like, it's like, I was really like, I'm, I'll admit I started to get a little choked up. I was like, you know what? Like, maybe I need to listen to this. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to grow up more. It's like, you know what? Maybe I was misjudging this guy. And then two thirds of the way through this book, he's like, but, but 
there's a reason why you have these problems. It's not just because you're immature. There's a specific group of people that are causing these problems for you. And those are the cultural Marxists. And they are the reason that uh, men have been denigrated in the West and all this is like, okay, cultural Marxist is a Nazi conspiracy theory. It comes from Alfred Rosenberg, who was the chief ideologue of, of Nazi Germany, who, who said the Nazis said cultural Bolsheviks, which means Jewish people. Right. But they said cultural right. Bolshevism, this, this idea that communists were infiltrating through culture, right. Which then became a huge conspiracy theory. Um, with the far right at the time and now, and it's like, it's from the, it's the exact same thing that he's saying. And Jordan Peterson claims that he spent 20 years studying totalitarianism. It's like, okay, well then you have no plausible deniability. You know exactly what you're doing. It's like, it's so sinister. Yeah. He's just like, just like Trump apparently had Mein Kampf by his bedside right. just before. Oh, just a coincidence, right? He's like interested in history. Jordan Peterson has studied fascism. That's where right. he learns. And it, it's, it. I, I just, I'm you, people can look this up. I mean, I, you know, even, especially if you like Jordan Peterson, look up Alfred Rosenberg, the myth of the 20th century. I mean, this was, he, this is basically the same thing. They later put this guy in charge of a concentration camp in Poland, you know, so maybe we'll get Jordan's, uh, summer camp at some point. Yeah. But you know, I think it's just, I think it just comes down to there's different kinds of people. And what we need to do is, create a society that it's like, listen, some people are really uptight and puritanical-ish and really have this ordery thing and they really, really want to be controlly yeah. about all kinds yeah, of shit. Yeah, I don't like those people. You know? I don't either, <laughs> but they just exist. There's always going to be like, there's I, always going to be a percentage me. of the population <laughs> that are those kinds of people. And then there's going to be 10% of the population that's like me who really just thinks that anybody who's not a hedonist obviously has not even spent 10 minutes thinking about philosophy because it seems like if there, what other conclusion could right. be possible? Or at the very to? least, can you, can you just take it down a notch a little bit, chill out and just, just, just take it down one notch. Yeah. Relax. Just relax. Let other people do their shit. You don't have to go to the drag show. Yeah, I've I've li- I've literally you. never understood that. It's like, you know, if you don't like something, then don't do it. I mean, we live on this huge planet where there's infinite more stuff that you can do in one lifetime. And it's like people are always like, well, like you know, people shit talk me, or they don't like the podcast, or they don't want to take my courses. I'm like, fine, then don't. You know, like this is problem <laughs> solved. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't listen to my no. podcast. You'll, if you don't like it, I don't want to mess your day up, you know? Yeah. The only thing that really burns me is, yeah, the only thing that, the only people I want to shut down are people that are trying to shut people yeah. down. Because yeah, it's yeah. just like, more color, more diversity, more color. Let everybody be their own thing. Yeah. Come on, people. Just you, like, you, get over it and don't be so controlled. You would think that would be an, a no-brainer, but I think that, I realized the other I, I realized the other day too it's like the whole the whole like quote unquote culture war dog and pony show um and this whole thing that the Republicans are doing where they're like anti-trans anti cancel culture all this stuff whatever that means um they, they're doing they they just needed something to fill the gap because they can't motivate people with religious judgmentalism anymore it's like they had Christianity and there was like, they had all their, their Christian 
um, fascism stuff in the eighties. And that still works a little bit, but it doesn't work as much. So they need some other way to keep people like in this anger mentality. And, and they've just evolved this like weird, like narrative that they, of, of talking points they stick to. Well, I was, I was thinking about that when I was like in New York and it's, when you hear about these Christian families and they're all upset about these things, it's like, the thing is, I think partially what they're upset about is like, they had kids, their kids are gay or trans and their kids left home because they don't want to be in this judgmental, restrictive place anymore. And they moved to the coasts like the population in New York and Los Angeles are not from there. They're from middle America. They grew up in that environment and those, they have been rejected. They've rejected their families to a degree. And those families are really butthurt about it. And I think that just hasn't been peace. And there's a lot of resentment. And it's like, you know, another thing is like this whole thing that I found about the other day, but it's like, you know, like, let's face it, the amount of tranny porn, apparently on blue state searches versus red state is. Oh yeah. No, it's off the charts. I am aware of that. I saw that. And, And it's like, no, what it is, is a bunch of ladies saw that their guys were getting into this stuff got really like Ted really Cruz mad and Alex Jones and and ordered their boyfriends and husbands to go screaming about how evil this is cuz otherwise <laughs> they're going to get it. <laughs> that's uh... cuz they're all jealous cuz all these girls I mean they're professionals like come on it's porn it's like these people their job is to look good on camera and do things that nobody else would do sexually because everyone's just too, too bagged and this I think that that's actually a worldwide phenomenon that the more conservative and repressive the area is like the more you know the more out the more uh, the deeper they go on Pornhub yeah well of course because if you can do it then you've got no fixation right. it's, I mean, like, it's, it's like sort of like <laughs> you know you go to fetish nights and so you're having a good time but you're actually not repressed about it because you're just doing it with your friends it's the people that are repressed they, about they it have, and have they to have do it charge. on the DL. They have the charge around it. That's what erupts as these like sort of violent upswings because everyone else is just having a good time. I mean, like if you're Liza Minnelli and you're in Cabaret, you know. Didn't I watch? I, didn't I watch Cabaret with you at Cafe Steinhoff at one point? Yeah, probably. I love that film, especially also the whole like I love the politics, the way the characters are portrayed of like. The English, the American, the like the interplay of the characters, because it's like, you know, like, let's face it, most Americans don't like to admit it. But America really took a long time to join the war, did not join in during fighting against you right. for Europe right away. And didn't really do a, a whole lot when we were there either. Compared to the Russians. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get into that because that's a big thing for people and really gets them upset. But still, they should get it. They got to admit upset. it's like. The United States held back and was made a fortune from the art. That's when that's when they finally realized. That's why Eisenhower came out of it and was like, "Listen, you don't understand how powerful these people got after that war. Like, this who, is who, who taken did? out of our hands." Oh, the military-industrial mm-hmm. complex. Yeah. 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 Exactly. 
you know, after that war, he was scared because he realized that this is when they really realized it's like, wait, just the whole war making is so money making. We should just keep this up. Yeah. Gore all wrote before, as you said, it was fought for other things for land, for food. Then it's, for then it's just all perpetual sudden, war. war yeah. Itself yeah. Was yeah. profit. Yeah. Killing people. Makes well, it probably sense. always was to some extent. Right. But it's like, it just becomes like a, a global in, in an industrialized thing. Um, yeah. And that's very, very disturbing. And, and that, I mean, I think that also plays into my, what I was talking about, about America being a narco empire, uh, a drug cartel where it's just oh, like, yeah. you know, and these things are perpetuated, you know, I don't even think, you know, as, as you might imagine, after spending so much time with Jen, I think I spent a lot of time thinking about the nature of control. Right. And I think that, you know, what, what is it in real terms? I think globally it's control is held by warfare, but specifically it's held by, um, heroin, the opium plant and, you know, opium and well, you know, heroin and oil at the very who's doing all this opium who's doing it everyone who's i'm not where, where do you think all the oxycontin comes from I guess, everyone right? who's in the hospital does it it's necessary for tranquilization and there's heroin addicts and oxycontin addicts and everywhere you know me it's like i don't even t- i i've never i don't like i've never taken a tylenol in my entire <laughs> life wow it's like I seriously, no, it's like, I'll take, I, I'm so old school because I'm old, like, I, like aspirin, acetosalicylic acid, if, if it hurts more than that, then I should be knocked out. Well, how do you get knocked like, out? I can take I mean... it. No, I'm saying if I was in that, if, if I'm in that kind of pain, if it's like, there's what pain can I not, like, I don't know. Well, in the immortal words you know, of like, Patrick Swayze on Roadhouse, pain don't hurt. You know, no, but I mean, I don't know. I just, I just can't. I just rather die. Well, then that's very noble of you. But uh, I just hate the idea. I just hate the idea. It's just like, you know, like I'm sure I, at some point I'll be in pain enough that I'll be like, give me some fucking Everyone, people are put on morphine as they're dying. Well, yeah, that's my, that's my retirement plan. But, well, it's, yeah, I mean, nice. and, and this whole country has been devastated by it. By Oxycontin, on purpose, by Purdue Pharmaceutical. Um, and that opium came from somewhere. I forget how I got on this topic, the, the nature of control. Um, but the perpetual yeah. war state, yeah. And, yeah. Oh, oh, we got on it because you were talking about America um, getting into the war late. Yeah, the other thing, the other disturbing thing that I've <laughs> realized um, recently is, is everything that the Nazi Germany did, they learned from us. And they were actually, they were, Hitler was trying to emulate America. I mean, they got, they got the eugenics from California. They got, um, you know, all this stuff. And, and then, um, specifically what he was doing is he was trying to enact consciously the policy. They were trying to, um, kill everyone in Eastern Europe and take it over because he wanted to be like America. He wanted to do the same things that the Americans did to the Indians to, uh, the Slavic people so that there could be German farmers everywhere. And so that, and it, it, it wasn't just so that Germany could compete with America, but that 
uh, or have enough. It was so that German citizens could have excess and opulence like Americans do. They were trying to play catch up, you know, and it's like he learned all this stuff from Henry Ford, all this stuff. That's very disturbing. Nobody, I don't think people would like to look at that. It's kind of like, you remember that drug commercial where the kid's like, I learned it by watching you. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like that. They learned it from watching us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, and, and you know, maintaining the slave state. Yeah, it's so dark. Did. I don't think I'm, I still, I, we were talking about this on Twitter. Like, I still don't think, we were talking about the Trump era and and slavery and all that. And America's never come to terms with what it's done. Never. And, no. and, and we have to, it's like America refuses to, I mean, it's changed a lot in the last 10 years, but Americans have to see themselves as the good guys for some ridiculous reason. And we're not at all. No, it would be so, yeah, it's, you know, it would be, yeah, it's true. It would just be so much honest. And we're coming to terms with that here in Canada too, yeah. you know, like this, yeah. this, this huge thing. But I mean, again, it's like, it's more I, than America's, you know, I'll, I'll say that. I feel, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I gotta say, it's like, okay, there's terrible things, but I feel that like, at least here we're trying to rectify. And there's a lot of spirit in the, I think the citizenry, not all of them, because Granted, I live in a liberal-ass bubble. But uh, it's like, yeah, actually, that's the right thing to do. It was a freaking terrible, terrible, terrible shit we pulled. And maybe it was the time. But that doesn't make it right. right. It doesn't make Genghis Khan a good right, guy. Right. Yeah, everything looks inevitable in hindsight and and removed from you. But definitely, as I have got a tiny bit older, too, it's just like, People like you look at history, it's like people don't change. Like humans are humans. It's like that could have happened. Everything that happened then could happen now. The idea that we're somehow different and better for whatever reason, civil rights or technology or whatever, is just, is just, is just nonsensical. And I think the Trump era did show that and it continues to be shown. Yeah. And this idea of people don't like the idea of admitting that something happened it's like well it wasn't me it was like a hundred years before i was born like so what it's like the so what is so that it doesn't happen again or at the very least yeah. you're not lying to yourself yeah it's it's not about whether it was you or your no it's ancestors. about the future it's about what what do we you know it's that there was this thing called the spanish inquisition right. we think that such a thing would probably be best if it never went happened again. Yeah, the thing about the Spanish Inquisition you know, too is people are often. T- I, I remember. I don't know about you. I remember in school being taught about that as if it was about "quote unquote" heretics and witches and things like that. It wasn't. It was about. It was a Jewish pogrom. It was about. It was like a, it was a, a, a dry run for the Holocaust. That's what the Inquisition was. Yeah. Yeah, it was a Catholic dry run for the Holocaust. Well, yeah, I mean, Nazi is pretty Catholic, but there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, that's the thing that I think that, that, that America learned from the Nazis was we need to bring the church in early. <laughs> that's the really dark. It needs to be on our side from day that's one. That's really dark. You know, this is why the evangelicals and all of this here in the United States. Oh, they'll States, be first. They'll like, be first. Uh, first, demand the do the shooting. You know, that's what I'm saying. It's like they realize that it's like, wait, who's our base in the United States? Let's work out from there. 
you know, let's work out from there. And then they've actually like weaponized the Bible so that, you know, it's like, well, yeah, but these gays and this and that, it's like, it's like they're edging people out of the compassion. Oh, they, they did a long time about. ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah, from the church. Yeah. No, it's know? all like prosperity and, gospel and all that. God wants you to have a race car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And again, I think it's just like, and not to, dude, but it's just like, it's kind of different up here. There's not that much of that. You know, yeah. like, you know, churches are expected to do charitable things. Like any church that doesn't have clothing drives ongoing, food banks ongoing as part of their day-to-day this is what you do as your church. I think are looked at slightly suspiciously here. It's like, what is your job? What do you do? Canadians are so, I never cease to be disturbed by how like, like light and fluffy Canadians are. I mean, I I know, I know you're not because when Canadians really get pushed, Canadians get real dark and nasty real fast. I've noticed that as well. Oh yeah. But you know, compared to the average American, like this is such a, we, we live in such like a nasty country in so many ways. Well, that's the thing. And I think, I mean, you know, uh, on uh, YouTube, I'm always, I guide everyone to uh, the book, A New Canaan by Thomas Morton, written in 16, I don't know, 50, 1660 okay. something. It's his, the first book banned in the United States, his tirade against the Puritans because he lived next door to them and hated them. Oh, oh really? And they stomped on him. Yeah, they stomped all over his partying. He was like a libertine guy. What, what is this book called? Who was here. look this up. Oh, my God. It's like uh, a new Canaan. See, like, you know, C-A-N-A-A-N. Some biblical reference. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't get these things. It's just a book. I I appreciate the uh, the house at Pooh Corner more and more. <laughs> It would be amazing if people actually Consider read the that. book rather than just uh, deciding <laughs> they knew what it meant, though. Um, they might learn something if they actually read the book. Yeah, A New Canaan by Thomas okay. Morton. It was the very first book banned in the United States by the Puritans because it dissed on them. <laughs> Nothing's changed, I see. No, and it's like he wrote of this thing, and he was a big libertine, so he... He erected a maypole. He used oh, to damn. have big drunken like party orgies on he, the spot. He, he was partying. It's like he was Hollywood and they were the Midwest. And he was just like, these people have stolen. They just like, God, it's like, I hope they don't take over. They just have no life. They're evil. And they hated the, you know, he liked the indigenous population. Yeah. He thought the, you know, the Native Americans were really cool and chill people. And have worked out this really nice balance of, you know, home life, culture, survival in this, considering this crazy environment. There was this one really, I had this one, there was one really funny moment with Jen where um, it was just in the mid conversation at one point, I forget when it was, but like Jen at least just momentarily dropped the hippie thing and showed like, just like pure, like, like English contempt for America where she was like, yes, well, we sent over all of our worst, uh, to, you know, we sent all of our worst people over here, you know, it was just like, just pure, like English chauvinism or whatever, but it's true. Also, it's like, yeah, it's, it's true. true. 
That's why the that's why Australia and America have such a tight like yeah, or loud, drunk, criminally, criminally insane. Yeah. <laughs> Only I didn't think that they had so many. Yeah, periods. and all all these Venn diagrams to get come together in Mel Gibson, <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate phenotype. Okay, Apocalypse. Apocalypse is great. That's the that's the tragedy of Mel Gibson. He's an amazing director, <laughs> right? It's like no, he understands he to do Apocalypse. That's an amazing movie. movie. It's like to understand as a director, where it's like. It's like, I have to say, it's like one of the things I hate about uh, Martin Scorsese sometimes. I personally think that voiceovers are lazy yeah. AF. It's lazy film. Particularly if it's like super stereotypical, like Goodfellas. I'm just telling you the story and then I'm going to like act it out in front of you as I tell it to you. No, I just think it's lazy filmmaking because it's like, that's not what film is for. I can read a book. I could have read a book. You could have told me that. Film is about putting a series of images together that tell the story innately in the series of images that you're watching. And that's why silent film, in a way, is the most pure yeah. form of film. Yeah. You know, Hexen or some of these other films. It's films where it's like collage and it's just a series of images. David Lynch is great at that because he does a lot of not long expositions. Where it's just like you're seeing images and you don't know why you're seeing the images. He right. probably doesn't well, I mean, know but, why you're but that's great too because it's like that's why should why should you need to know why you're seeing it? Like, do do you understand why thing. your dreams are the way they are? It's like no, they they don't need to make sense. You don't need to interpret them. And even if you want a narrative, even if you want a really good narrative, like Apocalypto is, it's a series of images where it's like no, you followed and then. Because I'm positioned here and you're moving there, I'm now going to have the camera here and you're going to, it's going to all seem like a seamless, continuous moment of like flow of time, you know, where it's not broken up by lengthy this and that, you know, personally. I just, I just love when you can, a real director who can do that with the film, you know, it's amazing. For sure. Well, we've been talking for two, almost three hours. How crazy. I'm starting to feel like I'm sorry, people. You must no, be no. AF. This is great. This is a great. We should We didn't talk about Topi at all yet. No, we didn't. Well, Hardly. we we need to do another podcast then. I'm starting to get lightheaded from lack of eating at all today, but uh let's we should do another podcast soon. Okay. It was so good to chat with great you. Great to talk to you too. If there's what yeah, just to see you again. I wish I was there. I'd give you a huge hug. You know, I would love that. I haven't gotten many hugs in the last three years. So I always remember your thing about yeah. people needing nine a day. And that's yeah. Nine a day. Okay. Give them to yourself. Hug the pup. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I have the, the dog now. So there's always that. Yeah. Okay, I, get, so I get dog. You and the pup I get dog, dog kisses. Yeah, nice yeah. Long snuggle. <laughs> All right. Well, a big hug right back to you. And, uh, Okay. I will. Uh, we should definitely talk. We should definitely talk again soon. But we should also do a podcast again soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. Hope you really, really enjoyed that. I definitely. Had a lot of fun in that conversation. Meet us at magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E, my school for magic, 
meditation and mysticism where you can learn all the skills you need to unleash your true self. I will see you in class and until next time, hang in there.